And we're live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 133 of Fans of Power. I'm the man behind the mask, Joe Amato, and I'm here with my partner in crime, Tyler T-Rex Baker. What's going on, T-Rex? I, I got nothing. He's like, nothing. Nothing's <laughs> I, going I got, on. I got, I got, I, I, you always try to come up with some sort of, like, you know, cool, cool thing to say, but... I guess just 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 like always, man. I, I'm I'm you know I'm excited to dig down deep into this episode and uh, you know just do what we do every week. You know things are going good, you know in, in that regard. But um, yeah, d- nothing uh, nothing. Uh, damn it, man! I'm, I'm, He's like, I, 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 I'm about as flat as a as a as a. I can't even say that right. God. Gotcha. Hey, but well, while you try to get on your game, let me just first say hello to everybody in the chat room. We have. Zen Brown, Zentron, Brad Collins, uh, Eric Amon, Jeff Prime, and Adam Gabbard. So thank you all for joining us. And yeah, don't worry. Tal will be right back on his game. You know how it is. Sometimes we have these starts where it might be a little bit flubbed up. If that happens, I do it all the time, too. Yeah, I, I, I guess uh, I'll continue to draw blanks, man. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we either need to jump into something here or, or give me something to work with here because I'm like, I, I'm firing blanks here. Hey, well, all right. Well, before we get into our main topics and all the discussion, I'll always announce if I see something or something's going on, well, I know that those little teeny pint-sized heroes, those Masters of the Universe ones I told you guys about maybe a month or two, I don't know how long it was, but anyways, they're out in the stores. Those mega-constructs? No, 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 not the mega-constructs. They're the, it's like called pop, uh, excuse me, pint-sized heroes, and it's like little, maybe a pop figures those like little big headed things and they're super small they're only an inch tall and i don't, I don't know what on. you're talking about hold on stay right there because i have um hold on i'm, I'm still babbling I'll, I'll show you the one i got okay i got this you know well it was around christmas time this little jason one that came with the oh, jason okay one. yeah they made he-man ones of those they just yep yeah, they just been released they have t- i think 12 of them fye which i don't have an fye in my area they have an exclusive faker one. Now, here's the thing that sucks that it probably piss you off because you're kind of like me. These are blind bags. You don't know. Oh, ah, hell with that, man. Yeah, Dude, I, I only got uh, two, two of the of the loyal subjects, two Thundercat loyal subjects. I I don't have an enemy to shell out, you know, fifteen bucks just to keep, repeat the same figure, or you know, uh, yeah, and, I I ain't doing. And it. you know what? To be honest, see, it's the thing that they're super cheap, but like you said, if how you much? start doubling, how much though? I think they're only like four bucks, maybe for a little. Little sucker, I think somebody might have to correct me in the chat room, but I'm sure that these are they're super cheap. So, I mean, I guess you can see the other good thing is if they're going to be like how this Jason one is, it's not like things are just painted on, they're sculpting to like the you know the heads. So, you could probably feel you know you have Skeletor, you know you have He Man if you're feeling the bags, but I think there's 12 of them. They had like, um, well, I'll tell you what, if for a second, if you talked, I'm I was going to go to eBay because. I know they showed the entire list of those masters of the. You know what? I, I wish they would stop making like the cutesy stuff. And if you're going to make little things, you know, give us something that's reminiscent of Battle Beasts. You know, something that's got an edge to it, a little bit of. Those were cool. Yeah, those. N- not not everything's got to be cherub looking, for God's sake. You know, <laughs> as if like all us adult fans just went, we just want cute stuff. You know, yeah, because they've done this. With- give us. Give us something that's got balls, you know. I mean, not it doesn't have to be like class, but look at Quake here. That's got attitude, you know. Oh, Give no. us something hey. that's not cute. Hell, well, th- well, I mean, I gotta agree with the mega constructs. Those, as you've seen, actually have detailed sculpts and look like 
figure figures, but they, you know they they're do, always. But I, I, yeah. but, the, but, but given that those are essentially like Legos and you put it together, you know, for, for five bucks, I could, all right, I, I'll buy with that one. But these little things and the loyal subjects, I mean, something's missing here. We're, we're paying 15 bucks for a figure you don't know what you're getting, four bucks for a cute little cherub, and five bucks for a He-Man figure that you can put together and put him on a stand, put together the weapon, and for five bucks, you get a cool little articulated figure, and you, you're, you're doing something with it as opposed yeah, and I to even just... Think, I even think the Mega Constructs, I believe that the, the figures are already figured. They're already in a figure form. You don't have to, like, pop well, them together. I mean, well, I meant, like, with Skeletor, I remember I had to put together uh, uh, his Havoc staff and and uh, the stand, and I, I, I mean, I only got Skeletor here. Oh, I see. So. No, I got you. I got you. But it, it just made you feel like, you know, you're doing a little something with it as opposed to just opening up a bag. Oh, great. I got him again. You set it back on the shelf. No, hey, just, I mean, if yeah, I we just, could see him, I would, no, like the thing is, I mean, definitely, if I could see each one of these that I'm getting, I would gladly get them because they're cool. But you're right. If I start doubling up and I have seven He-Mans and eight Trap Jaws, and it's like, then that would annoy me. But, I would give the list to people in case they were wondering who they had. They have He-Man, they have Man-at-Arms, Tila the Sorceress, Battle Cat, Orko, Beast-Man, a flocked Panthor, which is cool, Skeletor, Trap-Jaw, Merman, and a flocked uh, Moss-Man. So a couple of them come flocked, and then, of course, FYE, which I have none of those stores in my area. They have the faker one, of course. Yeah, we, we got an FYE uh, in uh, Roanoke, which is about an hour from me and Nathan, but... Uh... But, I mean, are, are they available, like, at Walmart or something? Well, that's the thing. I know they they should be widely available at Walmart and Target because, um, like, I went to my local Myers and they're, you know, they're loaded with the DC pint-sized heroes. They have tons of those you can buy. So, yeah, these are pretty much nationwide, chain-wide, but it's just FYE that carries the exclusive faker. But you know, I, I, think I we... almost feel like if, if this whole blind bag thing, you know, I, I think it's just, it's gone too far here. I, I, I feel like you know, if you're concerned about not being able to sell all the cast of characters you're making, then make make characters that you you, you ought to feel pretty damn confident are going to sell. If you you know, this, I just I just think it's unfair to fans to keep forking over lots and lots of cash, and and we're supposed to just hope to God we're getting something that we don't already have. You know, if you if you're worried about oh well if we blind bag it, we're not stuck with a bunch of you know I don't know men at arms or Evil ends on the shelf. Well, you know what? If you're worried about that, give us Clawful. Give us Mossman. Give us Tubek. Give us Spikor. Give us Faker. Give us Scarecrow. Give us He-Man and Skeletor. Or give us a Flying Fist He-Man. Get, mix it up and give, it, give us a roster that you ought to feel pretty damn confident in and something that you're not going to be worried about. Oh, let's not make them. If we don't blind, I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like I'm sure there's a method and a reason behind the whole blind bag thing. But I just feel like that's all we've got right now. Other than what the next wave of Super Seven figures that are that come out, this is all we've got, and we have no idea what you're getting. And you just, know what? I actually have some people I know that have spent more money on those loyal subjects than just the classics figures themselves. Because oh hell with that! No, 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 yeah. no. No, what no, I mean, I, is, what I'm saying is, you're right. They blind box these suckers, and there's some people that need every bit. You know some of the collectors, and you know I do. They get so damn addicted that they want to have every loyal subjects that they're buying, and they're just getting tons of duplicates, and they're left with all these extras, and half the time they probably stick them back to eBay, but they're spending a lot of money to try to get this whole collection, and it's especially when they're like, get the gold chase one and get this anti-Eternia He-Man one or the faker. It's like, 
Oh my god, that gets to a lot of people. It, for me, I don't do it. But I well, mean, and I almost folks- feel like someone could probably say, "Well, it's no different than collecting basketball cards or football cards." Like, what? No, what that difference? What that is is that when you're buying basketball cards, you're getting a pack with multiple options in that pack of cards. Whether it's five or or twelve cards, you're paying five bucks for a pack of cards. You've got twelve chances to get the player that you really want, and you may and you not still get, are going to get something. There, yeah, yeah, you'll get something. But with these, it's one and done. And that's why I feel like, you know, it's it's a bit unfair. You're not getting enough bang for your buck with these blind buy stuff. They do look good. I mean, I got the the Panther little subject. My buddy David Taylor gave this to me, or a guy I work with, loves Thundercats and He-Man, gave me this Panther here. And they do look great. I ain't, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. argue that. But it's just for what you're getting, I, I, I'm i not going to justify buying. And, and if I come across, Nathan came across two, I think, at TJ Maxx for like four bucks of the loyal subjects of He-Man. Now that I would get behind and like if I lose eight bucks, okay, fine for two. But it's just I, I something something needs to change. I mean, when those uh, uh Funko five inch uh He Man style Thundercat figures come out, we'll be paying ten bucks for those Thundercat figures, and we're gonna and we'll see, pay, and we're and we're gonna pay fifteen dollars for this. That's what I mean, yeah. And especially what's great about it is you have those ten dollar figures for the Thundercats, Conan, and those horror fantasy ones. Yeah, the good thing about those is. They're not going to be blind boxes. They're going to be carded right in front of your face. You're going to see what you get. Bam, you got them. So, yeah, I'm not too much. I've never been a fan of this blind box or blind bag stuff. I know there's some people that, you know, don't care. And, hey, if they got the money, then go ahead. But for me, yeah, I, I like I'm not, what yeah. I'm getting. I'm not denouncing that at all. I just – I can't do it, and I just don't think it's fair to fans, especially when there's not a whole lot for us to, to put our money towards in terms of supporting He-Man. You know, I'm, I'm sure come San Diego, we'll get another wave of Super 7, uh, you know, classics figures that are coming. But in between there, it's, it would be nice if we had something to, you know, keep us in stores. But, man, these loyal subjects and stuff like that, I mean, it's they're cool, but it's just... Yeah, I didn't do, I didn't do uh, all, like, oh, first let me say, I hope a speedy recovery to JSP. He said he's feeling sick as a dog, and he's in the chat room, and we appreciate you being here. You know, you don't really well, have to be new. Hopefully we can add a little chicken noodle soup for the mind there for you. <laughs> yeah, I guess, for, yeah, to make a speedy recovery. But, no, when it comes to those loyal subjects, you know, we had that original first kind of wave, but once they started hitting all the different stores like Target, Toys R Us, Walmart, Hot Topic, and everywhere, they were having not only different chases for different stores, but even the figures themselves had slight color variants and everything. Yeah, that's wow, that's, just... that's bullshit. Sorry, kids, but it is. It's if you're gonna if you're gonna keep going with this, give us a cloth or give us a spike or give us a clamp champ. Do yeah, not because what did us. we see coming? I think the only thing we've seen so far coming in their next wave, finally of new, is a battle armor He-Man and Skeletor. I'm like, oh come on, give us. You're right. We want new characters. Hopefully they'll show some at San Diego Comic Con, but I don't know how much longer they can keep doing the color variants because some people have stayed on board and don't care but there's others that just quit they said i can't do it no more i can't keep buying the same figures over and over with different colors it gets well, tired oh well no especially when you know you got to keep money around for guys like this you know you want to make sure you can afford this stuff and that's my priority if it's not these it's it's buying new artwork from from kevin and axel and that that's it i mean the, the, the rest of the stuff it's either going to have to be at a reasonable rate or something extremely worthwhile and the loyal subjects and the, the those little things you told me if i come across them maybe buy one yeah because i wish i could quote and that, you know and that's, that's what it, I, hate. I wish i could quote the actual price on them because i've not seen them in person so when i said four dollars i'm just shooting that i don't know if it's four i don't know if it's less i actually wait, wait. do if not you didn't know. see that in person how did you get that 
No, the the uh the He Man ones. I have not no, seen. No, these no, no, no. That. How did you get that? Oh, this one came with a Friday the Thirteenth shirt. Is sure? the coolest thing. Yeah. yeah are you sure Christmas. someone didn't give it to you as a gift? Oh, uh, here we go. He's like, if you say that, Joe, that means you're entitled to get gifts. You better not say gift. So I'll just say, um, I went to Toys R Us and I bought the uh the Jason shirt with this packed in for Christmas. I, I bought that for myself for Christmas. Does that work? I, I didn't say it. It was gifted. <clears throat> if you treated yourself, Joe, you're still accepting gifts. But you're still doing. I want to show you one other thing. This is my. <laughs> this is my special. Chicago oh, if, if people want to know the backstory behind why Joe is showing this pit, you have to watch today's Beyond Retro uh, podcast on, on Jaws that we did. And Joe uh, discusses a childhood memory of someone taking that pin and the wrath that ensued in the aftermath yeah. of that kidnapping. Exactly. I was, I was real quick to snap. I didn't like anybody touching this pen. It was always my favorite pen and still kept it. So, yeah, that's my pen. So, <laughs> you know, so, that was the, this was, I had the most random thought. Like, if we ever started doing ads, how fun it would be if we got you to do ads for Craftmatic adjustable beds. What? Wait, why is that? <laughs> what? Where did that come from? Craftmatic adjustable I, I, Yeah. I, for some reason, I had it in my head, this image, and it still goes from where people, you and others will Photoshop your mojo mask onto, like, random stuff. And I just thought it'd be funny if someone had superimposed your Joe in the scarf on as someone laying in a craftmatic adjustable bed. And it, it just for Joe to be endorsing these beds for like senior citizens and Joe's like as a recovery customizer, I'm quite happy and satisfied with my craftmatic adjustable bed. Wow, that you sure know? came out of left field. That's insane. I know that's what made it so funny. And that that's what that's that's some of the most funny stuff in movies is the stuff that's most random. Like where the hell did that come from? And then you just yeah. keep going. So I just thought it'd be funny if we ever got to do an ad that were tapped to do craftmatic adjustable bed ads. You know, that would be great. I would buy one if Joe was 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 endorsing it on TV. All right. Well with like his never... with his greasy ass bag of McDonald's on, on one side ah, and then he's got some go. like customized stuff over here on the other side, you know. Just sitting there and just And a of... plus Jason sitting in his bed, you know, I love holding it. I on have... to it. I have some plush, plush yep, right over there. I have some plush Jason. So there you go. I have those yeah, so if anybody can do that, take Joe's face and put it on a a customer who's sitting in a craftmatic adjustable bed. I just think it'd be funny as hell. There you go. All right. Well, I like <laughs> no, that. No, it, it doesn't make cool. any sense. I don't know why I can't, but it was just a funny visual I just had to share. What the hell? If it's in your head, let it out. But also, let me say, Third Triumvirate Studios is in the chat room, and Who Dat Whale is here joining us, so thank you. And Circuit Rec Circuit Recording has joined us. Now, this is the guy that helped, um, well, I mean, not helped. He's the one that recommended when I was telling you, other topics and stuff to maybe do for the show he's actually the one that recommended he was like saying hey do you think you could talk about prisoner in the slime pit oh because, okay uh, yeah because he was uh he was asking about the one that we did uh last time about battle under snake mountain yes but i i think to, uh, that's when i told him i said well actually we did battle under snake mountain and he's like well did you do the other one prisoner in the slime pit i was like no and his name's brad uh excuse me brian little so it's Brian Little that suggests us. So thank you for joining us because we are going to be talking about that. And Tyler, I didn't know if you wanted to start start off with uh, Prisoner in the Slime Pit or did you want to start off with the first story arc in the newspaper comic strip book? Because they're both great stories and have, you know. Yeah, for our current uh, audience at the moment and for people who listen to this after our recording, we got a lot on this episode. We've got one, two, three, four discussions 
on top of any other random rants coming in. So you'll get your money's worth and your ears will have a uh, full on erection. I'll just put it that way. There should be, it should be just nothing but just titillation for the mind, you know, <laughs> yeah. stimulation just to like make you so excited about He-Man and the master of the universe. That's what we're here for with four meaty topics here. So yes. I don't care which one we start out with. Well, heck, let me show at least uh, the big, in case people have not seen the book yet. Here's the well, big... I guess I know what we're starting out with, if Joe's going to go that route. You could murder somebody with this book. This is a big, giant, dark horse book that contains almost all of the newspaper comic strips. I mean, it's the... almost like the size of like like a uh, like one of the uh, stone tablets that Moses had. You know, it's... you had like two copies of this, it'd be like the Ten Commandments here. I mean, you could, I'm not kidding, this just, it looks like just something you could murder somebody with i mean not to sound insane or over exaggerating but well you are the guy who's obsessed with jason with his face behind a mask (laughs) well yeah i mean but it is a it's a big book so if you want to start because i mean what's cool is you remember these when they were in the actual newspaper back in the day they consisted of the weekly strips that were black and white and then the Sunday one would always be a colored one. So, I mean, through all the work of the people that, you know, put this together, which took a long time, they tried to find every single strip possible. Some, I think they had, uh, they did have trouble finding some of them, so it didn't have every, but I tell you what, it's pretty much complete. I Like Tyler, it was only missing a few strips that they couldn't find, correct? There was not many missing. There was, I think, I, t- I think a total of five. Our, our good friend Sandy Vagina, who's featured in the book here, you know. Okay. Yeah, Penny Dreadful, for those who don't know who I'm talking about. Uh, she was uh, on the hunt, I think, for those last five. And I believe Larry Houston, our good friend Larry, turned up a strip that he worked on as well, where Skeletor's planning to invade Earth for technology, which is a new- newspaper strip that was missing as well. So I think I think she's recovered some of the five that were missing, I think, because we talked to her about this was it over a year ago, I think? Yeah, because wasn't one of the people that, if I'm not mistaken, that watched our show uh, when we did a certain episode, they mentioned like on one of the pages where we post, they said, hey, I was able, I actually bought one of those. I'll yeah. gladly send you the scan. So it, it was kind of cool. Somebody that was listening to our podcast and went to one of our pages, bam, helped at least get them one. But yeah, I think they'll pretty much probably find the rest. It just. Yeah. And uh, it just, uh, if, if for those of you who have don't, don't own this or not, great that's what happens when you have headphones on what happened i end up pulling it out of my ear that's what happens when i'm at the gym like the cord dangles and smacks it out of your ear but anyway like uh probably other than what we're talking about uh it's what's what's so cool about this these stories is that they really they get pretty long and elaborate and uh, a, a, a particular favorite of mine is uh one that's pretty heavily ninja centered where he is essentially the main villain of the story with Scarecrow and Blast Attack working with him. And there he's working alongside Skeletor in like this kind of deal they've got set up, but he's kind of dismissing or dismissive of Skeletor and after the Havoc staff. And I'll just leave it at that. Why he's after the Havoc staff, you'll have to find out in this book. But mm-hmm. it's, it's Ninja is the sole villain and he's running the show. He's calling all the shots, he's being successful in his plan. Uh, it's just it was just really refreshing to see Ninja. Like God, man, this character's got so much potential, and they utilized him in one of these stories. So, just a small example. I mean, Blade is in here, Clamp Champ is in here, 
Yeah, because uh, they're tying Gilmore. all the cannons. Don't they tie all the cannons pretty much together in this? Yeah, yeah pretty time? much. I mean, it even leads into the new adventures of He-Man too. So yes. stuff that was going on around, obviously, and we'll get into this tonight. Start with like the Rock Warriors and the Snake Men, the Whore. It's it's got a lot of filmation nods in it too. If if you're looking here, you see a lot of filmation styles from the Horde and a lot of the Eternian characters. So they were pretty much really trying to tie in everything that was going on and. Uh, at least at the time when these strips were coming out as well. So along with everything that had come beforehand as well. So you see some good nods of, of current stuff and previous stuff as well. So they do a good job of, and that's what I've always felt like. There should be like a definitive canon that's not trying to, you know, oversaturate and, and just put too many spices in the stuff that's working well. Just put it all together in something like this, where you're acknowledging all the stuff and you're not changing backstories and where people come from and all this stuff. Yeah, I wish just, I could have read them all as a kid because when I was growing up, I only knew of those three other newspaper strips that had nothing to do with this story arc. And then I was able to get one of those strips, but that wasn't even a paper from my local area. That was how you were funny talking about the uncle that comes in town. That was actually traveling relatives when they came to town. They brought a newspaper and it had this one strip and it had a very unique looking King Hiss where King Hiss just looked like a green almost lizard man reptile it was completely different than what you know and he had like a red cape so but these were fun and just well i mean the first story we're going to basically start off the first story arc of this entire uh book that you can look at is day of the comet which shows stonedar rock on granada or granita however you guys pronounce it i don't know some people want to say granite because of like granite but anyways they, they do something which is um, some people like, some don't. They Well, they made them all related this time, which I'm not usually a fan of everybody being related all the time. I know, time. but with the Rock Wars, I'm cool with that. But it's, it's fine because we've I, seen them. I can them, buy that. Yeah, we've seen it different where sometimes just, you know, they work together, whatever. But yes, Stonedar, since he is the eldest, he's the father of Rockon and Granita. And, well, the kind of story which we won't wreck the whole thing because, trust me, you'll want to buy this book. You definitely want to buy this book so you can read it all. But the premise is, you know, he crashed, uh, rock on crash lands here. He's trying to warn of impending danger. You find out that uh, Hordak has captured uh, Stonedar and is using him to do something. He's going to have him do something against Eternia. But you're wondering, well, why would Stonedar work for him? Well, it's because Hordak also has uh, Granada captured. And, you know, he's basically, you know, blackmail and threaten him. If you don't do this for us, obviously we'd kill your daughter. But there's characters that, you know, we've seen sometimes in filmation, but usually got the real big bad treatment. So at least we got to see him in here, meaning too bad and also seeing Spike or it was yeah. good to see them in something more with also seeing that part where I liked when they showed Spike or spikes shooting out of his chest to, you know, fly at He-Man where He-Man deflects him. I was like, well, that was kind of a cool thing. Cause I don't think we ever seen this spike shooting in the cartoon. Did we? I, that that was one thing I'm like, <sighs> it didn't take me out of it, but I just kind of, but it was like still different. Of, I mean, you know, I, just, yeah, but, but I, I just kind of feel like that's one of the things. Why can't he just be a, a, a guy with spikes on his body, not a suit of armor, not projectiles, it's just the guy is covered in just spikes that if he were to go and bear hug you, you're done. You know, you're going into a full sleeper hold and you ain't waking up from that. Yeah, you know, of course, I, they, they used it into this, though, because as you see, when the spike got deflected, it damages the controls to yeah. what they're flying the ship. The, and, and what's the name of Hordak's ship? Mercy? Or what was it called? I didn't I didn't catch a name for it. It's, it was just like, it was like a kind of a generic 
Uh, I thought they called it the Mer- Oh my god, now I feel like I've gone nuts. I have to look at the book. I oh, when, I, when I was reading it, I didn't recall catching a name for it. But... I thought they called it the Mercy, even though it sounds like one of the weirdest names for a ship, but I'll let you take Oh, yeah, okay. All right. Now that you're saying that, that sounds somewhat... But it, it just didn't register with me. It wasn't okay, something okay. that I was really... I mean, I was more focused on, hey, cool. There's too bad in the background. Oh, look, there's Spycorp. Oh, wait, there's Roboto and Cyclone. And you get you to know? see Shadow Weaver. How rare was yeah. that to have Shadow Weaver in any type of comic format? Not saying she's never appeared in anything before, because she was in some books, including, you know, like a, the some of She-Ra's golden books or little soft covers. So she's appeared in stuff. But, uh, oh, and, of course, even some of the hardcover golden books, I believe. But it was just still see, uh, cool to see her in something else besides the cartoon. Yeah, and and plus, I mean, and I'm I'm a big filmation fan. The collector shows up, but they don't refer to it as the collector, and it, it's used pretty prominently in it. Uh, the the royal palace looks like the filmation version. I mean, every, pretty much Man at Arms, Tila, Adam, Randor, uh, all the horror. They all too bad and Spike. They all look like their filmation counterparts, but they're you know too bad and Spike are not portrayed as like bumbling oaks they come off as very competent villains which, which i like because be. yes, I, I, I think, yeah because spike or i mean as much as i dislike two bads portrayal in the cartoon spike yeah. or really just it just spike or was worse spike I mean, he was worse. and also i want to say hello to somebody who's now teasing us in the damn chat room with excitement and of course it's grimbot and grimbot just said james etock might have discovered the reason behind newspaper king hiss so there we go. Now we're gonna have to be left hanging. Now I gotta wonder why did he always look like that? I never knew. This should be interesting to find that out. Well, I, I better not find out that you know we're being told after all all this time that King his name is spelled with H I Z Z instead of H I S S. You know, I better not find out there's something like you know double double lettering in his name, and that we've all been fools, you know, for for thinking otherwise here, and that he's been holding on to this information for all these years just so he could point and laugh at all of us. Right, in case we say something the wrong way, and you're right, spell it the wrong way, because it sounds a particular way, and then you see something else. Yeah, that led to a disaster of me trying to do some photoshopping. That didn't work out too well, but what the yeah, heck. What a maroon. What a maroon. But go ahead. But no, it, it, it's a really good story. I mean, and, and it's it's they really take their time in this story. Like, it, it's a long story. I mean, it went, went for over 20 pages of just panels of, of illustrations and the story that's just building. Um, they, and it's a serious story. Like there's, there's no, there might be like a, a bit of like silly dialogue cause they are writing it for children. However, 95% of this, of this story in particular is a serious story. It's not done for laughs, not poking fun at the characters. And, oh, look how silly and humorous we are. I mean, no, it's a, it's a serious situation from beginning to end of what they're dealing with. The horde, uh, Skeletor, there's an interesting uh, scenario that uh, Skeletor finds himself in, and you're like, so you're going to do this? Like, actually go through yeah, with this? Yeah. And then you're like, you, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and you're like, he actually did it. Yeah, and I was just, as I'm reading, I'm like, alright, wh- where is it? When's it going to happen? And like, wow, they actually followed through with it. And it was, and I liked it, because you didn't feel like it harmed the character. You just, it was just cool to like, you know what? When Skeletor said it, he said he actually did it. Which, which, which you're like, you know what? That, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that they, they, they were that ballsy. Like, decided, you know what? If we're going to do this, let's pull the trigger and do it. Balls yeah, on the wall, man. 
Exactly. I mean, you had different things happening that maybe didn't happen before. You know, characters portrayed slightly different with different abilities, but then you even also had, well, you also had them following things that we've all known, which I like that they still kept and remember about how the Comet Warriors stoned on rock on that when they go, you know, into their like rock form or over to rest, they can charge back quickly. Like once they're in that form, they get all their energy back. They're not going to need tons of sleep. So that was something else that was kind of focused on here too. While us as humans, we're going to need a good charge to rest. All they can do is usually be in that form and bam, they're ready back to go pretty quickly. You know, and after reading this too, it's it's pretty amazing just how high the the push was for the Rock Warriors faction, and that we only got the two characters. That from, I mean, eighty six, which I, I always for some reason I would get confused that the Rock Warriors came out in eighty five and not and not eighty six. I believe, but I, I believe it's eighty six. But just how highly they were promoted, they I mean they were, uh, I mean put in any everything and. Another story into the prisoner in the slime pit. They're featured heavily in that. They're featured heavily in this. They're featured in an episode of She-Ra. There, I mean, there's Earl Norm did a poster of the Rock Wars. There's you know commercials, and it just felt like they were really making a really big push to put. I mean, to push the Rock Warriors to make them you know well known, and 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 yet it's. I mean, we did the Rock Wars episode last year, and it did did quite well. People seem to really like it. But up to that point, you're always kind of led to believe that the majority of the fan base is kind of indifferent or just dismiss the Rock Wars as if, like, I mean, I always get a kick. I've seen He-Man, or kick out, excuse me, of He-Man teaming up with the Rock Wars. Like, I am always excited to, to see Stonedall and Rock on in this particular battle because I feel like it's not only an expansion of He-Man and his allies, but they're just cool-looking characters. I just like these Rock Wars, and I still want to see what evil Rock Wars look like. You know, these are the good guys. What do the bad guys look like? We got we got evil rock uh, rock villains in the Rock Lords toy line. We saw what they look like. What would what would an evil rock ward look like? You know, is it made of solid black with lines of lava down in them or something like that? You know, yeah, that would be kind of cool. That's yeah. you know what's funny is I think somebody even took a vintage figure at one time and did just what you said. I think they took a vintage stone dar painted him in brown, made lava looks like in the little, you know, like cracks circle and, index. Yeah. yeah, and cracks, and made him look like kind of like a lava, you know, comet warrior. So, no, it would be great because the only thing we ever got were, of course, in meteor form since they all, like, basically still are people that are all widely known together with the meteorbs and the comet warriors. And, of course, we got the five evil meteorbs. But, no, as for comet warrior characters like this, no, there's never been that I can remember seeing them. But, that would be kind of cool because you're right. They definitely heavily pushed them. I mean, they're popping up in coloring books and, and any other kind of medias. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, I mean, you, when you go and look at the 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 um, all the different various types of merchandise that was going on throughout the run of He-Man, you know, they're they're pushing, you know, some of the more prominent current characters. But there's something about the Rock people. I just felt like man, they they really managed to put them in so many stories and comic books. And, uh, I mean, they got a, a whole issue dedicated in the Star Marvel comics. Uh, I mean, you've got the uh, uh, the Slime Pit mini comic, you know, where the Rock Wars are featured heavily in that. Rock People to the Rescue. Um, God, I, I'm fairly certain there's another Rock Warrior mini comic. Am I, am I missing one? Am I missing another one? With Rock People to the Rescue, the Slime Pit one. Did you and mention then, a Rock in a Hard Place? Did you Rock in a Hard Place. I know, I know there's, there's at least three. I almost want to say... 
Oh, they're featured in the Hordes of Hordak with the Horde Trooper mini comic. Yeah, Why are you just, of... you, you're just staring at me. No, no, I'm sitting there. I'm thinking in my head. I'm trying to think of what else I... I, I see, I can't memorize every single uh, one. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the... I felt like they were really, I mean, heavily used in a lot Again, of... Again, they were even I in think some it... of them in the Masters of the Universe magazine comics. Yeah. I believe they were even some of those. So, no, yeah. you're right. They were. They were pushing them. I mean, definitely around that year. I think they seen the potential in them. Because, you know, I mean, at the time, of course, you know, we have Transformers and, yeah. and everybody wants to say that, oh, it's kind of like the gimmick. And then, you, like you said, you have Rock Lords and stuff, but they were fun. And I tell you, I really enjoyed playing with them, you know, as you I know, did too. the figures. Yeah, I used to love putting them in front of Castle Grayskull, making them open. And they were the only figures. And I didn't throw it like they're a rock. But I remember I would set up some of the evil guys. I'd bowl them because I've seen them yeah. rolling so many times and I'd bowl them into things or make like a little hill. I mean, they were a blast. They were fun to play with. And yes, they got a lot of treatment, you know, for, and just like they said, they appeared in, you know, some of the episodes of, you know, She-Ra and the Princess of Power too. So we got to see, you know, I never thought of that. That's the one thing we've never said is we've never mentioned, hey, I wonder what they would look like in MYP. I just realized we have never said that and that could have been pretty damn cool. I can't believe we never mentioned that. I mean, to see what the horsemen would have done like with the statues or what NYP oh. would have done with the end. I mean, it, obviously they would have been similar, but to, to think like how big the rock wars would have been like, I bet they were how, being some big boys. They were probably having calyx size. You think maybe? Yeah, I, I really, yeah. Well, hell probably even bigger than that, you know, cause <laughs> I mean, every, everything like with those two up figures, like, you know, man on arm shoulder, shoulder uh, pad. I mean, not shoulder, his shoulder armor was massive. You know, just there were everything was just up. Like He Man's power sword on the two up figure was was really quite big. Beast Man was just absolutely hulking. Clawful was just a mammoth of a character. So you really feel like if those guys were 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 just, I mean, giants in their own right, the Rock Warriors, I mean, just would have been monstrosities. I mean, they just would have been, you know, some big boys. They would have been, yeah, they would have been just, uh, I mean, hulks. They would just would have been a, a a faction of hulks. I just just how how big like the shoulders and arms and how how massive like the rock form would be. I mean, I not that they would be like Megator and Titus, but they're just, just big boys. Be, they're gonna be some big yeah. boys. Yeah, they, yeah. I can see what you mean. They wouldn't be the standard size standing the size of He Man. No, they would have to up the scale. They'd have to yeah. be those big like juggernaut characters. Well, kind of, kind of like the 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 Super Seven. I mean, not uh, well the the the, uh, the classics version. I mean, I. Still to this day, I'm still in a, astonishment of how good Stone Dog and Rock on looked. I mean, just how massive they are on the shelf. I'm I'm so proud of those two figures. Like I, I just, I just love them to death. And just to have them in hand, I really do need to change that. Put them in a more prominent spot. Like I've, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to just re redo that whole shelf so that we're just standing more close to the front because they, they just look too damn too damn awesome. And I'm glad they kept with at least the design of the vintage toys because even though it was great seeing them in the cartoon, you know, they lost kind of like their over the head kind of yeah. detail. And that's they just look kinda... a little too 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 simplistic in filmation. And I get yeah. that for animation reasons, but but I almost feel like with filmation, like they seem to capture the vast majority of the characters. You know, like Mossman looks looks too much like a, a, a cuddly character as opposed to like the action figure and what you would see in like Earl Norm's paintings in various media. Um, you know, Clawful looked great. Uh, Cobra Con and Web Store looked super bad. So did Buzz Off and Mechanic. And they, they maintained their, their their badass appeal. And Cyclone looked good, but he still there was still something that's a little too friendly 
for Cyclone, even though he's a good guy. He's just missing with that, some of that kind of badass appeal. And just like with Mossman and Too Bad and Spike Orr, you know, they all have that kind of, you know, very harmless look about those characters where you just, you kind of feel like, man, they're not very threatening characters just based on how their face looks a lot. They just don't look I was look disappointed, as... I think. I mean, there's a couple I was disappointed with, but I remember Too Bad did let me down a lot in the cartoon of his portrayal and his look. Because like you said, it was almost friendly, happy. I wasn't scared. Like, I look at that toy, and you look at those nasty, menacing oh, yeah. faces. They're, you know, they're scarier in hell. And then you get the cartoon. It's like, what just happened? But like you said, they friendlyed up a lot of stuff. I guess maybe they didn't want to scare the kids too much. I don't know. I, but it, it certainly didn't help, too. They didn't. And, you know, I always like praising the hell out of Filmation because it's the best. But it just kind of made you feel like they weren't trying too hard with the voices. And I think Lou Scheimer, God rest his soul, did the voices for uh, Too Bad, uh, Cyclone, uh, Mossman, and Spike. Or probably, I think that was Spike, or that was Lou Scheimer as well. And he just kind of felt like as good and gifted as Lou was with his voices of doing um, Mechanic and Disappearing Dragons and, and uh, Stratos and King Randor. And and um, uh, I, I liked his Triclops. He did a good job on Triclops. You know, so he was very talented with his voice work. And I just felt like, why, why is why is that too bad? Cyclone had one good voice in, in one episode. And that and after that, it wasn't it wasn't any good after that. Same thing with Mechanic. And I, 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 can, I asked James one time, I was like, what, what the hell's with the differences in all the voices? And his, his Cringer was didn't, that, even, didn't even Cringer suffer that, too? And you'd think, how oh, could Cringer, but didn't he? At times, I mean, because everything was better in season one. Like, even though we didn't have the wide range of, like, heroes and villains that are in season two that, that, fl- that really expanded the evil warriors and heroic warriors, Cringer sounded so good in season one. And then you get to episodes like Freddy Cat, and it almost kind of felt like it's Alan Oppenheimer doing the voice, but it just doesn't sound like the Cringer that we have all come to love and, and just see that's Cringer. And I, I, it's, 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 and I often feel like, are there others that felt this? I know others have touched on, they felt, they felt the same way this season two, where there was a serious drop in quality, but I almost feel like, it didn't start out that way in season two. And I, I don't feel like that's a point that I've emphasized enough because the, the first half of season two had got, had been, we'd been given some great episodes. Everybody's being portrayed quite menacing, but then there's this kind of, as we all know, that gradual drop in quality where Skeletor becomes very, very rambunctious and up to adolescent hijinks, you know, as opposed to being the Lord of destruction, you know, and, uh, if only things could have kept how it was early on. And it, it, God, it, it, it's it's just it kind of makes you wonder. Like, would things have been different had had season two not been tweaked and changed so much in terms of the content? It yeah. really does. It makes you wonder in those you know hypothetical situations. We always like saying that if the parent groups didn't get involved to you know make it to where the cartoons got sugar coated. What could they have been? What other things maybe could they have wrote for the characters to try to make it a little more edgy? And maybe their voices and some of the ways they were portrayed. But I guess that's that unfortunate thing that we'll never know, which sucks. But, yeah, it would be nice to know. What could it have been? Well, I mean, hell, Clawful was portrayed very well in both seasons. And, you know, he's only in – he's in more episodes than, than you think. And every episode he's got a good menacing voice and is always portrayed, even though he's getting his ass kicked by He-Man – he still comes off as 
one of Skeletor's very well respected evil warriors and as, as a threatening character. Like, well, you know, why is it Clawful's maintain and Cobra Khan? Cobra Khan's another one that was that was maintained a, a, a stable, menacing persona, and Webster, I think, maintained that as well. But Beast Man and Trapjaw. They became punching bags. <laughs> they they did, and like you just kind of feel like, why? Why, why is it all the bad guys have just got to become just silly and just complete morons? And especially out of all some of them, especially Beastman, to be that ferocious oh, looking. He's a Beastman. You know, I, was, I, just... I was watching Diamond or Disappearance today, and it's it's a point. It just, it just made me think that I need to mention this on the podcast. You go back and watch that episode, and you hear how John Irwin portrays Beastman's voice. With that that constant growl when he's talking, some or even when he's standing there listening to Skeletor and he's just growling, and then that kind of uh, that as you wish, Skeletor, you know, yeah. just very, I mean, just grisly, like you know, you're like God, man, yeah. that's the Beast Man that we need. And then season two comes along, and I forgot what episode it is, but. Uh, um, where Skeletor's like just constantly looking at Beastman while he's talking to someone else, and Beastman's like cowering in fear. Like each time he looks at him, like, where's the Beastman that was ready to stab Skeletor in the back? Any chance he got, man? Yeah. You know, it's it's an archetype that we all love because everybody loves Starscream. You know, I love Starscream too, and it was so cool to see Beastman. And I saw Beastman do it first because I watch He Man first, and He Man <laughs> gets priority over everything. But it's just cool to see Beastman was portrayed so strong and competent. And it's just so sad to see Trapjaw and Beastman just become just slipping on banana peels, so to speak, you know? Uh, I, mean, I know like... we said this many times on the podcast, but, you know, and, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. We're not saying this to slight Filmation. If you listen to this podcast, I hope Filmation is the highest in terms of quality and storytelling above anything else He-Man, right next to the He-Man live-action movie. But, um, it's it just it just it just bothers me so much that you know it could have been so good and it just gets so silly you know yeah, yeah the the perfect world we, we could have had possibly like I said well I guess we'll always leave that up in the air that's what makes for fun debates and thoughts and you know what could have been but yeah so well hey well there's that beginning part that we did so we talked about day of the comet and did our sad rants which we always love to do too but now we'll talk about prisoner in the slime pit. Now, this one, if I'm not mistaken, it I know that mine came with an audio cassette. I honestly can't remember if it also had a record. Because, you know, some of them gave you different versions. Mm-hmm. They gave you the record or the audio tape. Mine came with an audio tape. But I there's a couple of interpretations of characters in the book that their drawings looked weird, like Modulok and one particular splash page. It always was yep. weird to me. But I admit it's, like, it's still nice-looking art. I'm not bragging on the art at all. But it starts off, of course, of even showing the slime pit and describing the slime pit. And, of course, Hordak's plan of, you know, wanting to get He-Man and turn him into his, you know, slime monster slave. So he has a plot that he, you know, a plan that he's going to have some of the Horde troopers. This is what I thought was kind of funny that, that I picked in the story. And it's not putting the story down by any means. But the part of they're going to have, like, the Horde troopers, you know, go into Castle Grayskull and steal some book and then take it you know, with them, and then it's going to lead He-Man to come after the book, and and then they show, like, a panel, I believe it's He-Man, and I think it does have, well, the Comet Warriors, and they're describing them as being, like, at the window of Castle Grayskull as the drapes are blowing, which, of course, there's no drapes, but I'm always thinking, I don't like the thought of hearing of drapes in Castle Grayskull's window, but um, He-Man, you know, he then finds out that, yes, somebody broke into the Castle Grayskull library and stole the, mag- you know, one of these magic books, I'm like, 
how the hell did they get into Castle Grayskull so easily? And they stole the book. It's like they made it seem like it was too easily accessible to get into Castle Grayskull. But also, since this was drawn and looks like the same, you know, type of people that worked on, you know, Battle Under Snake Mountain, they have this thing to where it makes it look like He-Man's always living in Castle Grayskull. Yeah. At least most of the time. And you do not see a Prince Adam. You do not see the transformation. But his plot is to bait and trap and get He-Man to come to Etheria to get this. They find out that it's, you know, the Prince of some Horde Troopers, which this book has some of the most unique, weird-looking Horde Troopers that you'd ever see. Again, I won't show you in case you guys ever want to, you know, look this up yourself, find the book, or you can even go on the org and read the story. But there's unique Horde Troopers, which I'm going to pass up to you, Tyler. It always confused me as a kid, and still even now slightly does. And I'm not saying I'm right, you're right, wrong, or nothing. But beyond the Horde Troopers... They showed these other, like, it almost looked like goblin monster creatures mm -hmm. that are peering off on the rocks, and they're looking. But then they still always refer to just the Horde Troopers. And then, you know, they talk about how the Horde Troopers have this special, you know, nice, very shiny-looking armor, whatever. And in one panel towards the end, I think you see a shot where, like, the Horde Trooper's head, it looks like yeah. you're seeing under his neck, and it looks fleshy. I almost came under the assumption of, were these goblin trooper warriors or whatever that were looking over the rocks... Did they put on the armor and don the armor of these horde troopers, or were they a whole separate set of scouts? But they never said that. They just always described horde troopers. So I wondered, were these unarmored horde troopers, or just something they never, you know, never name dropped? I, I kind of took it, and I didn't have this as a kid. This is something I had to see see as an adult. Um, I took it as almost kind of like lumping together this kind of goblin-like group along with these metallic-looking humanoid troopers. And even though this is kind of one of those books, like the Golden Books, like the hardcover Golden Books, where you're getting more story than what the pictures can give you. So you almost feel like maybe the, the writer is kind of given a few pinpoints and you just draw this and this, and hopefully it kind of matches up. I like to think of it as that, you know, even though the slime pit comes out the same year as the Horde Troopers, kind of makes you wonder had they not been given the Horde Trooper action figure to draw into the book, almost as if, like, we haven't I have the book. Yet. Do you think I should show the fans just in case? Because this is not a common book. Maybe I should well, show hey, them Look, look at this way. If people are listening to it through Podbean or on iTunes, you know, they're, they're going to have to go look, look, look it up anyway. So if they want hey, to... And it might even make them look and link us up, too, on YouTube. Yeah. But I have to show them. First, this is, you know, Prisoner in the Slime Pit. This is the the heart. I mean, the soft cover of the book. But these things are so unique that I just have to show them. And He-Man's talking to one of them right there. Can you see that? Okay, Tyler. Yep, I can see him. See, and as you can see, these look absolutely nothing like the horror troopers we know. So you're right. Were they not giving, or excuse me, were they not ready to be shown as a you know reference from pictures or something? But I assume they would have by that time because my God, we have. Blue Hordak, I mean, yeah. I just, it's different. It's weird when you see things that you just don't expect, but it used to drive me nuts. But, yeah, they especially teased you when you looked at that one page that has Grizzlore, Mantana, Leech, Modulock, and then poor Dragstore. He's all the way stuck in the corner. It's like, he's never in the story. Did you well, I didn't, I, Wait, let me see that. I didn't, I yeah, didn't look, catch him. Tell me if you could see Dragstore Okay, there. okay. I clearly didn't, I didn't catch him on that one. <laughs> yeah, so because Dragstore I, well, I had I had to read it by individual pages, pages on the Ord. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't, because the story's on, on the other side, so I didn't catch that Dragstore. Well, well, all right, now, now, all right, now that, 
reopens the question up even further because Drax was part of the 86 wave along with the Horde Troopers and the Slime Pit. There should be no reason why, unless the Horde Troopers were the last to be finalized in terms of development and what their visual style was going to look like, that the artists on this book had just had to come up with something to fill in the gap. Because it doesn't make sense that Drax was there and the Horde Troopers are not. And the Rock Warriors are there for crying out loud. So look, we're, exactly. we're dealing with a good part of the 86 lineup except the Horde Troopers not being drawn correctly. So, so there was clearly something missing in communication here. I mean, vastly missing. I, I've never seen something so drastic. I mean, this was illustrated by Pablo and Judith Markovs, which I believe, I told you at one time, I thought they used to be husband and wife, but I think it was father and daughter who drew this up together. I believe that's how it was because I have the, uh, there's a splash page in the middle that has when He-Man's getting ready, he's getting ready to get put into the slime pit. Yeah. those horde troopers I actually have like that original piece and i have that uh it, it was it was bought you know through facebook there was somebody in the group that got a hold of a lot of the, some of this original art and i have that kind of like in a black and white gray scale whatever you want to call it but uh it's cool to have an original piece from this but those are some of the weirdest things it was just like i said this one shot towards the end when he-man's punching one of them in his jaw you see the helmet like his head go back and it seems like he's believe it or not wearing a mask just like this and underneath it's all it's all fleshy underneath which just had me wondering is it them damn creatures because them creatures are gray and look fleshy but again it's just something that as a kid used to drive me nuts and even as an adult i always wondered what were what was up with them damn creatures <laughs> i mean it just it's another testament to the the constant evolving toy line property that that that's what we're here for. This line was constantly evolving as it's being produced, like changes are being made. And that's why you see so many canons and not just in the States, but in various countries why, you know, certain characters are a certain way, or you see certain characters on the wrong side, or the star Marvel comics has got squeeze working for the horde and referring to horde. as yeah, boss, whatever you say, boss as if like he's <laughs> 1930s gangster, there's just constant in, you know, inconsistencies, but, that's what I think kind of adds to a lot of the charm is when you see horror troopers like that, as if like, well, that's odd. And I'm sure like a lot of fans wouldn't say, would say, why, why can't we get figures of that? Let's I expand and make, and make the horror troopers even more. Let's get more. Oh, why horror not? Troopers, but yeah, why yeah. not? Uh, Cause I've heard people say they would love to have those. They, I wish I could remember. It's something I think from a possible, I think it's Marvel, but they, they compared those Horde Troopers and their weird bullet heads to some other cartoon or some other comic canon. And I cannot, for the life of me, remember what it was. But I remember when I posted that picture years ago on Facebook, they were like, hey, it reminds me of this. And damn it, I just can't remember what it was. It just So that's why I passed you. I was like, I wonder if Tyler would think, hey, that kind of looks like something from DC or Marvel. I mean, from, for, Okay, I, I was going to say, I, I was trying to, I, I was thinking you said Marvel, but I wonder, I wonder if... Um... Like I mean, I'll just talk for a second. Well, I, mean, I'm that, uh, it, I mean, that kind of just for some kind of reminds me of Dark Side. Is that what maybe? Way. Okay, I, I just thought. But this Dark, is but Dark Side doesn't have a bullet head. His head's kind of rounded up at the top there. But the blue, the blue gray motif is 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 kind of reminiscent of sure. of, of Dark Side. Just just the color scheme. I won't say that he's a spitting image of Dark Side. No, no, no. I know what you mean with the color scheme. But yeah, that bullet head just they set a character, and I'll be honest, I just. I mean, that was and they also kind of remind me of the palace guards from Black Star, even though they have you know those, those characters have got you know like the bird beak, but just his the, the <laughs> blue the blue gray design reminds me of the palace guards, which the, those things look so badass from Black Star. I see. Yeah, that shit. So no, this uh, 
Now, Prisoner in the Slime Pit, like I said, I mean, we again don't want to ruin the whole story for you know, so you could just you know find it and you could read it on the org or just yeah. search, search eBay for it if you want a physical one because. These are the ones that don't come up too much as Prisoner in the Slime Pit and Battle Under Snake Mountain. Those ones weren't, they're not as common as some of the other kids stuff and golden books that you'd see. So, but yeah, by any means, if you can at least buy it physically or catch it on the org, definitely read it. It's well worth it. So, but now I'm going to pass to you, Tyler. There's a couple topics you had that I'll pass it to however, which one you want to go to. Yeah, I'll, uh, this is going to be, be our fight night on Fans of Power podcast. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we, we, we fans love to see is, is see these characters beat the hell out of each other. And we don't get to see it a whole lot. But I, but we ha- there, are, there have been plenty of fights, and I'm sure for some fans, some fights mean more to you than, than others do. And, and some fights may mean more to you than that one does to me. It all just kind of depends on what you're looking for in your fights because, you know, no, we have not had, like, massively long choreographed fights even in the even in you know animation and the live action movie we get some good fights they don't last as long as we'd hope they would but a lot of them are still quite memorable so i wanted to throw out to joe was we we kind of throw back and people who are listening to us and and even later on you know get your brain thinking like what are the fights that that leave an impression on you i mean for me you know our, our good buddy larry houston Oh illustrated God! Some, yeah, illustrated some of the best kick-ass Ooh. fights in in the He-Man mythology. Don't even need dialogue. Don't even yeah. need dialogue. No dialogue at all. Slave City, his fight with Lodar and and with uh, Garn. Garn, yeah, yeah. Badass fights and, and Clash of Arms speaks for itself. Hordax, uh, the mini comic, um, and then uh, I mean, I, I the live action movie is another go-to of He-Man taking on all the evil warriors at the junkyard where. You know, Beastman grabs a hold of him and he knocks the hell out of him and then has a sword fight with Blade and then takes sword and throws him into Blade. It's just a, a fight yeah. that like you said, know, it's was, was supposed fight. to be longer, according to Anthony DeLongis, <laughs> but obviously they, they don't get as much time with it. So Right, and it's not like you said. It's not that these fights have to last a long time. Just some can be memorable, even in a couple panels. I mean, you could just even think of the Terror of Triclops with everything that yes. he did in that kind of like, I mean, God, he's beaten, he beat the living hell out of everybody from Ram Man to Battle Cat to even Tila. And we, he had, he was taking He-Man to the shed too. So, I mean, that was a great one. Same thing with Menace of Trapjaw when he's fighting in the Skeletor and yeah. team up to take out Trapjaw. And, and like, there was like, I think I just liked because of the gimmicks. Again, sometimes when you have the toys and you can relate it to looking. Like I always remember in the Terror Claw Strike when He-Man just started going nuts with his fist flying like crazy, and he's fighting Skeletor, and Skeletor's going you know back and forth with his claws, and he just bam, he like goes under the the claw attack to like uppercut I think Skeletor and knock his claw off. It's like there's some cool little moments in a lot of these comics, and of course, like you said, the movie cartoon, but. Those comics had some really good ones as well. They did. They they had, and and I, I will say, above all the main comics, Larry's the one that that hammered home like all the great fights. I, I know. I mean, Bruce Tin did some good ones, you know, with like Search for Killer. Those are great. But in terms of like long lasting fights, Larry Larry Larry's on king of the mountain on that one because oh, yeah, all because... the ones, yeah, like Battle of Roboto, where Roboto takes on two bad and Skeletor. They they reprogram him. Then he goes around and starts beating the hell out of Tila and throws back the Bashasaurus. I think you know. that is what's most memorable. I mean, when I think about it, I mean, Larry, it's like how he said, you could tell a story without words. And his comics that he worked on did some of the most story without words that you could ever see because his fights, they're right in front of your eyes. And they're no pun intended. 
hitting you right in your face. I mean, you are seeing what's going on. That's why you do remember a clash of arms in Slave City. You memorize, I mean, not memorize, but you remember these fights because it was a lot of good back and forth. Not some of the typical, bam, one swing, somebody's done, or one, two. It's some stuff that would go on for, you know, a good amount of panels. Yeah, I mean, He-Man may throw, the you know, two bad off to the side, but, like, I mean, like, one of my favorite ones is, is where you know two bad grabs old He Man. The He Man like throws two bit over his head, and then he immediately starts breaking into a sword fight with Skeletor. And then the fight continues on because they got to stop Roboto, and two bad keeps coming back. Um, and then, uh, oh god, uh, I think so, uh, some of the others then too. Well, I'll bring up some uh, real quick. I was gonna say first now in the cartoon, like you said, sometimes the the fights couldn't last as long as you'd wish. I mean, like, there's one, I know, again, you're not a super fan, but I did enjoy watching She-Ra and Maylog go back and forth because it seemed mm-hmm. like it was lasting. Well, but, but see, that's that's the point, though, is that, you know, it, the, the good story behind, you know, uh, these fights, to me, kind of enhances what, what, what's going on there. And, and, like, for me, the assault on Castle Grayskull and Diamond Redisappearance is one of my all-time favorite fights because even though the heroic warriors show up, I get so excited. All we did as a kid when the Evil Wars pulled down the jawbridge, and He Man and Batman are standing there as alpha as I hell. love that. Yeah, and just I like staring him down. Like next time you might try knocking first. God, that, is, cool. uh, that is the most iconic alpha male. I mean, just the the calmness and and, and confidence in He Man, yep. and then it cuts to Skeletor looking pissed off. Panther's got this look like I'm going to rip He Man's throat out, and Beastman just ground and takes off after him. And then yeah. he just comes charging out and grabs a hold of the beast. Like, God, it's just I love that. How he hit, yeah, he held him yes. up like that. That was cool. You're right. There's there's those fights that, especially when some have it to where we've said before, where it's like, got you hanging on the edge of your seat and feels like things like, you know, people, are, these are in dire straits and what's going to happen? It's just like when everybody was fighting Shigora. That one yeah. I told you scared the shit out of me. It's like, what are they going to do? It's like, oh my God, the evil warriors and the heroic warriors have to team up to get this son of a gun and knock him back into his dimension. That was what, now that to me was at least some of the most memorable because that was going on. There was a lot of fighting, but that scene inside of Castle Grayskull, how could you forget that moment of that big son of a gun who's beating the hell out of everybody who turned sorceress into his like little harpy slave? It was just. And, and I don't know. And one other quick thing. I don't know if Grimbot is teasing us with something or if this is something he's serious. He said, just let me finish the whole thing and then I'll pass it to you, Tyler. He said, He-Man versus Strongarm above pool of molten Fultanium. Yes. He said, too bad that never got made. What yes, that, that, that? that was the deleted sequence. I believe it was storyboarded as well where the fight she did in the Phantos was going to go on a lot longer. And I mean, it doesn't last very long, but yes, it was supposed to go on where they're fighting over, you know, molten photanium, you know, where, I mean, imagine strong arm, like swinging this massive right fist, trying to knock He-Man into it. And He-Man's, you know, jumping around on the, on the beam, you know, trying to avoid being knocked into it. And then eventually gets, you know, trapped into a, uh, you know, a, a tomb of uh, photanium. I mean, yeah, when I learned about that, I'm like, oh my God, man, that, that just would have been just. Incredible, because Strongarm has such a memorable uh, appearance of she doing the Fantas. But to know that we were supposed to have got a longer fight sequence with Strongarm and He-Man, because Strongarm was one of the few guys that took on He-Man and successfully, like he beat him. He beat He-Man, and it, given the dialogue, you're led to believe that it took a long time for He-Man to break out of that Photanium tomb. Like, you know, from what Man at Arms and Tiller said, that that they were working on chipping away and breaking away the tomb, and it's not working. So it makes you feel like. 
He-Man was defeated. It just took him a while to get out of it. But Strongarm is one of the few guys to take on He-Man right down the spot and beat him. And he well, did. now we have to tell. Well, now we have to say because you know Grimbot, we know he's the master of animation. That's that's your new title now. You have to be the master of animation. But we know that you you know of this stuff, the behind the scenes deleted stuff. You got to bring it to life for us, Grimbot. You got to draw. Oh, some yeah, give, give us a sample of of what it would look like of, of Strongarm either getting ready to to, to swing in He Man or him swinging in He Man's either ducking it. Or smacking the fist out of the way, or give us something. Yeah, because I'm sure, like you said, the battle, even though it wasn't there, it probably would have been quick, but it still would have been epic as hell, probably to have in the episode, as short lived as, as it could have been. So, there, I'll put that in your head. And I wanted to give to you, Tyler, right now in the chat room, some people were mentioning some of their either fights they would love to see or fights that they did see. So, I'm going to say, like, right now, Zentron was saying he would love to see Evil End versus Shadow Weaver. Yeah, I'd love to have seen that, yeah. That would have been a hell of a fun fight. So, uh, Zen Brown, well, yeah, well, it's funny. Yeah, he mentioned he said one of his favorite fights was Triclops and Battle Cat. Oh, you bet. I mean, especially, like I said, he knocks him out with a, a punch. He was he was taking him out pretty quick. Uh, let me see. Uh, your favorite blockhead said Fisto defeating Clawpo and Fisto in the arena. He says, but not able to defeat Whiplash. Always entertained him. And he said, He-Man saves the day. Oh, yeah, that's that's our go-to, man. Blockhead, when me and Tyler talk about a fight, we love when Fisto's battling them all and seeing that Whiplash would have probably killed Fisto. No yeah. doubt. Yeah, but but just knowing that, you know, it exhausted him to beat Clawflin Jitsu. Plus, not to mention, Fisto got his ass kicked, taking on Webstore, Clawful, Jitsu, and Triclops all at the same time. So he's been thrown into the ring and had to go through the gauntlet of these evil wars and then to be on the brink of elimination by Whiplash, just goes to show you he can hang, but he was hanging. Can't, do, can't can't go through all of them. And uh, that was my I favorite mean, portrayal of Whiplash of anything was that in Clash of Arms. Absolutely that, loved it. Yeah, that one and uh, Betrayal of Stratos. Like I think those are his most prime appearances because he's very menacing in that. And this in Clash of Arms, he's just a, a brute force. Yes. And um, um, to touch on too, you know, the fights of He Man and Skeletor. I mean, the, the, the cream of the crop. You know, we've got the, the fantastic battle at the end of the live-action movie where Skeletor becomes a god after his Oscar-worthy speech of taunting He-Man becoming a god, and then they duke it out, you know, in, on, on the throne of Grayskull and knocking he, uh, Skeletor down to the pit. You've got uh, Skeletor he He-Man. Cor- Real, that? Yeah, I was gonna, not to cut you off, yes, remember? Yeah, when he gets the cor- yes. There you go. I knew yes, you were going to bring yes. it up. That was the one. Yes. God, and, and nobody ever talks about that episode. People, fans do not reference that episode ever. That's unbelievable, I, especially that's when Skeletor was pretty close strong to being like He-Man, having that Korodite fashioned into his, you know, armored, you know, crest or his, you know, bones. To, yeah, and, and to duke it out inside a volcanic cave. You can't get more epic than that, you know. And just, Was that your whole power versus power line that you loved or yeah, what he said? Yeah, the yeah. one that Alan Oppenheimer refused to write. You know, come <laughs> face me, He-Man, power against power. And, and yet our good friend Thomas went, got, went to Texas. Or listen, you got what you wanted, and got what I wanted from Alan Oppenheimer. No big deal. I got the autograph over there of the what was I was supposed to have gotten. The one that I did get, I have yet to put in a frame, and I had him autograph a blow up of. Let me get it here. Okay, and no problem. You can grab it. This, I had this blown up of Skeletor holding the cord over the fire. Ah, uh, yes. I had that image blown up, and. I just lost it in me to to put it up because I just felt like I was punched in the stomach when you know Alan refused to 
write all that. Well, quite quite embarrassing, just... but but that was such a memorable Skeletor He-Man fight, the live action movie. Um, I mean, everything about Diamond Raid disappearance, that that assault on Grayskull, um, Evil Seed. You know that that to me, even though it's not a one on one fight, I mean they are fighting against him. But in terms of like you know one on one fights, you know, it, and even breaking it down, like that that brief moment where Triclops is choking He Man and Diamond Raid disappearance, and the robot knights are approaching, and it thanks Rain Man for knocking him out, and it just knocks the hell out of Triclops. As a kid, that's why Triclops I hold him in such high regard because he was physically strangling He Man, and He Man was struggling to break his grip. And that it just took him out all of his might to just get him off. And it's stuff like that that I'll never forget. Because it, yeah. it was just telling me that Triclops is the baddest of the bad. You know, of, of, of the original Fab Five Evil Warriors, to me, Triclops has always been my favorite because of that single moment where He-Man is struggling to break his stranglehold that he's got and Dan, on. He, he got pretty short-changed when he came to Season 2, didn't he? There was God, he, just in general. He's only in, I think, uh, I think in Season 2, he's only in... Uh, he's in Betrayal of Stratos. He's in uh, 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 Three on a Dare. God, I almost want to say that's his last appearance. I think it's Three on a Dare. Memorable episodes with. I mean, him. It was it was a memorable parts for him in those episodes, though, was it? No, uh, I mean it was cool. To, I was so happy to see him in Betrayal of Stratos because he's you know he's they're they're all like the original kind of quartet of Skeletor Beastman trapped on Triclops are assaulting uh, Avion. So it was cool to see him, but he doesn't do much. Whiplash gets most of the. The action in that episode. But three on a dare. I mean, when I first saw him, hey, Triclops is back and doesn't really do much. And you get that yeah. famous panning shot of all the evil warriors standing on top of each other's shoulders from slipping on the uh, the grease that they're they're slipping on. And but, especially to go from what we were saying earlier, his amazing mini comic portrayal to then in the cartoon to where you barely got anything. It's like, wow, that's a shame that all we get is like a choking scene that, you know, is showing, wow, look what this guy could do. And then just nothing dismissed later is just, eh, maybe he was too boring. Maybe he's too bland. I don't, I, I don't get it. And he's used on a couple of occasions, like the time corridor where you get to see his different, uh, you know, distivision and stuff like that. And, you know, teaming up with Fang Man. Um, and then NYP. NYP gave us a lot of memorable fights, too, from the two-on-one fight in Underworld with Skeletal oh. taking the He-Man and Randor. And just to uh, mention you that, Jeff Prime said, in uh, the chat room, he said the first episode of MYP season two, where He Man takes on everyone, was epic. So, damn right it was. That that yeah. that's still one of my absolute favorites because of that long ass fight of He Man just taking on all three giants, all the evil warriors, Marzo, Skeletor, and having a brief sword fight with Triclops, a brief sword fight with Marzo, flipping Whiplash over his uh, uh back and and just clotheslining, excuse me, Clawful and and just just. Knocking everyone all over the place, just a big battle royal uh, with uh, Monster Within. When you got Tuvar and Badger taking on He Man, and they beat him. Tuvar beats <laughs> He Man, and he's just like, ah, oh, man. It just shows you how how badass Tuvar and Badger were to take on He Man successfully. And just if if Manny Faces hadn't been there and the Evil Wars hadn't been jealous, Tuvar and Badger would have been quite successful in winning. I don't know what I, I still I think Tuvar would have been the one to successfully got Hema back to Snake Mountain because of all the technology he uses and weapons, whereas Badger's a little bit more uh, simplistic in his methods. He just kind of uses basic booby traps and brute strength. You know, Tuvar's got the predator equipment, is what I like to call it, where he's using invisibility and cloaking devices and, and gas bombs and shock devices 
and things like that to take down Heman and elect, like a, 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 a electrically charged bolo. Uh, uh, I guess well, just a bolo that's electrically charged and shocks Heman. I mean, with that, and then you've got uh, uh, God. There's oh oh the fight at the uh, the first part of Council of Evil when the evil wars go down into that uh, cavern or the uh, 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 canyon and they get stopped by the heroic wars and He-Man traps them and takes them all on by himself. That was, that was a pretty good fight. Um, the NYP, it seemed like it was loaded with, well, more fights that seemed like, well, I don't like the flipping and zipping and all that. No, That's I can't stand I could that not crap. stand. No. I mean, especially everybody was flipping. I remember they went way over the top when we seen that, like, you know, in the first episode. Or, you know, like when you're seeing Mechanic flipping and doing everything. God, and seeing, everybody, when that episode came out, everybody had the same complaint. Enough with the weapon flipping. And, and God, that sequence of Venom stuck in the fish, fish's belly would just wouldn't stop. Yes, and the, the damn weapon twirling. It was like, it's too much. Like, okay, I get it. They can flip in the air 100 yards or 100 feet. They can spin the weapons. When the fighting gets down, of course, in some of the later episodes, it's fun. But I think maybe they were trying to dazzle your eyes with that. But it did Yeah, they were trying fun. too hard with that one, where something like an Underworld, where Skeletor's sword fighting with Randor and then kicks him on his ass. And you know, with that awesome sweet kick that he does, and he just looks so badass that way, where he just spins around and sweeps Randor, slashes down, and then He-Man blocks the sword. And then Skeletor, without hesitation, charges at him with his swords. And then charges both of them and gets stuck in between. And He-Man is struggling to disarm, and so is Randor. They finally do. But just knowing that Skeletor has taken on the most powerful man in the universe and, and King Randor. That was a good fight. You should, and not, and yeah, not, I think we'll link yeah. that. We got to link that probably like maybe when we're done, maybe in the chat or, you know, in the comments, because that was a good fight. I know it's on YouTube, but we'll have to yeah, show the whole that. episode's that on YouTube. Yeah. But yeah. God, right. Skeletor that's... taking it to both King Randor and he was like, pretty damn impressive. <laughs> that was it, a really good fight. It was yeah. so memorable. And I, I, you know, I feel like that's another part that just gets overlooked in NYP. I mean, people, people like to reference certain elements of NYP. I'm like, you know, I don't agree with some of it. But there was a lot of stuff I feel like they got right. And oh, they did. Certain, I mean, just like, they, like you, I mean, same thing. Like you said, when we're talking about filmation, I mean, there's a lot of fantastic episodes. There's some that are just eh, yeah, there, there's duds everywhere. Every, yeah. every from Shira to He-Man to New Adventures to NYP, there are turds in every animated series. I mean, they're they're obviously the great outweighs the bad. Uh, New Adventures probably would be argued differently, but um, <laughs> it sorry. just. I mean, I'm sorry. sorry nope. No one is going to support me on New Adventures for the most part, you know. And I, I'm not going to try and defend the cartoon. I always defend the story, the canon, and the characters. That's what I'm always going to defend. The cartoon, it's hard to defend, you know. I, I, I feel like I'd be John Larroquette's character on Nightcore trying to defend, you know. I do want to say one. Of, I do want to say one thing about MYP because, like, you know, we were talking, and I, I, you know, I mean, just love the whole look. You know, I, I love the music. Had great atmosphere. And great episodes, but like I said, there's some stinkers just like for anything. But the one that we talked about that I just was like, you know, like razzing you last week was talking about the island because I know you hate it. So, you know, what's funny. I'm just like you. I had not seen the island since it first appeared. I was like, I'm going to have to put this on and watch it just to see, was it really as bad as we thought? And I put it on and it was. What a horrible. (laughs) And they followed that up with Snake Pit. How yeah. the hell do you follow an episode like Snake Pit up with the island? I tell you, if you guys, if you, you know, those who are listening or watching us live now or anything, if 
you would like the island. I'd love to, again, I hope if you like it, enjoy it, that's great. But I'd like to know maybe what was it that you loved so much about it? Because I just, God, it, it just, it, it felt so off. It was so bland. It was, I mean, it was just boring. And then the parts with Clawful's cousins. Yeah, then, I don't want to hear that someone says, well, it was cool because they, they expanded on Clawful's like species and he's got and I'm family. Talk like, about no, that. I don't want to hear that. I do not want to hear that. And that's, and that's what I'm going to talk about that annoyed me. I hated that they, you know, clack, 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 to contact Clawful oh, so they can let them know. Now, here's the thing. That. I'm going to get to this. They do this clicking so they can contact Clawful. Like the messages starts reverberating through the water and stuff. And eventually Clawful is inside Snake Mountain with Evelyn standing over that little pool of water that's in Snake Mountain. And he goes, uh, well, what's that clicking? And then Evelyn says, that's the language of your people. And then he says, just a line that drove me nuts. He said, I was never good at spelling. I was like, what? Jesus Christ. That? I was like, what God. does that have to do with? I was like, so you're so, not only did they make him so stupid, which I couldn't stand because he looks so badass and imposing, but not only did they make him stupid when he talks, he doesn't even understand the clicking. He refers to it as spelling. Then when they have to relay, or when Skeletor tells him to relay a message back to his cousins, he looks all stumped and evil and says, I'll tell you how to do it. I was like, really? Clawful is absolutely that dumb. I mean, just, oh, it was not fun. It just felt like just insulting some characters, but it just, it was not a good episode. And I seen that goofy, super long-necked young Tila you were talking was it, about. Wasn't that like, odd-looking? I even had a screen cap, and I'll post it on my wall for people. Like, God, Why is her cute. neck? It looks so long. Like, she's sitting there in her chair, and it looked like the neck went all the way up in her hair. I was like, yeah, what it's a, very, very that? weird. Oh, that is weird. But yeah, I just want to let you know, after we talked about that and I was raising you on the island, I watched it and it did not get any better at all. God, I was year. afraid you're going to say, Tyler, I don't know what you're talking about, man. I was like, I, I've already started customizing a young Tila and Clawful's cousins. They'll, they'll be on eBay in, 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 in six months. You know, I'm like, oh my God. Or let you go and say, Tyler, we should do a commentary. Like, hell no, we ain't doing commentary for the island. And it just felt too, what was it? Uh, it just didn't feel like I was in a world of fantasy like especially when they're sitting at the beginning and you see Decker and he's relaying to his one old friend next to him about you know being with uh King Randor and man at arms when they were younger and then the guy's like oh you know the you know King Randor he's like oh Randy like he calls him Randy I was like that just felt so out of place like oh King Randor yeah I called him Randy I was like that, that's oh, what I felt is... like the, the some of the writing in NYP sounded too close to our culture you know like that it, one did it that one did yeah. especially like, in that uh, part it, it, yeah that and then when Adam says, go dad, in Underworld, I'm like, Adam, they don't talk like us. Right. I know what you're saying. Exactly. You know, just don't say stupid stuff like that. Even when it came out, I'm like, go dad. You know, I mean, God, are you telling me you can't write a fantasy show? Without, and that's what worries me about a new he movie is that they're going to be talking like that. They'll be talking like kids who how they currently talk now. That they'll be doing fist bumps and all that other nonsense and. You know, talking. Are they like, going to have an? Are they going to have an attorney version of like you know maybe a phone or a tablet? And they're going to text LOL to each other, but it's, it's like oh no. Because I think this this will make the teenagers laugh and giggle because they had their own version of social media too on Eternia. Like God help us all. <laughs> well, hey, at least we know that nothing still happened, even though it's supposed to be. In oh April, yeah, it, it is happening. Oh, and, but, and just to let you know, April we went past May. We're now in June, so well that says that. Also, oh yeah, but I'm sure there's some people out there who's like, but it's happening, Joe. Just want you to yeah. know, man, I, I found this article that's about a year and a half old that says a new movie's coming. So I'm going to share happened. it with all these other social media groups and let everyone – and I'll tag Joe and say, I found it. 
it's it happens every you know, time. It's going to be unfortunate. Um, Zentron, or excuse me, not Zentron, but Zentron. I don't think we can do what you asked to, uh, but he said uh, that's why we should do commentary for the island. I don't no. think we can. <laughs> no, 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 no. Rest assured, <laughs> if there ever comes a time, it's not going to be pretty. I, I mean, we have run out of ideas. We have run out of episodes to do. I mean, I, I just, I don't feel like subjecting fans to me just being pissed off again on another I think episode. We could get, like you said, we could get better stories off of the Burger King cups that we could read and then interpret that what we have there. I, and we, I'll read you all four of them if you like. Yep, you know, as opposed we'll in, to doing the island. We'll fill in gaps that aren't there, probably what could have happened, and we'll just evolve that story. We'll turn that little three panel thing on the Burger King cup into a half hour story. But no, yeah, so, I, I, uh, I just. I know, and we, I, I will say this, Joe and I, when we say we would do commentaries for every episode, at some point, which just shows you how long we can keep this podcast going. I mean, look, yeah. look how many episodes we do before we do a commentary. So yeah, it, it'll happen we, at some point. It'll happen at some point, I'm sure. But knowing that we have exhausted all the filmation of both Eamon and Shira, and new adventures, maybe and... go back through the cycle again, <laughs> do, do commentaries again. Because I almost feel like some episodes are worth going back and revisiting on live commentary anyway. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do we'll have to do Underworld at some point. We'll have to do probably the beginning of NYP, like the three parter. At some point, we'll have to do uh, Buzz Off's Pride. We'll have to do Council of Evil Part One and Two in the Last Stand. I mean, we're gonna be doing all the good stuff before we just like, is this it? Is this <laughs> is this almost like how Filmation ended He Man with the Cold Zone? I guess how, that's how we'll end the podcast with the commentary for the island. Like, we're not even sure this is the end of the podcast, but when people look back, like, man, the podcast was going on for so long. And then they ended on such a down up, but doing a commentary about one of the worst episodes of NYP, man. And like, they should have given us like a great sound off episode, you know? But that's how we'll end ours. We'll just, it, it, when the podcast is over, the island commentary will be our way of saying, that's all we got. What a way to send off here. I can't believe they ended the, I can't believe they ended their podcast with that episode. Just like we say that about episodes of the cartoons. Like, really? But all right, well, that's that part now. So what is the final topic you wanted to hit everybody with? Yeah, uh, I had done the essentials in a long time, and for long listeners, a while back I did one on Cobra Con and I did one on Skeletor. And I would ask Joe, what are your top three interpretations or stories of a particular character? That if you were going to introduce a fan who was not as familiar or wanted to learn more about, what would you say? All right, you want to know more about this character? Watch this or read this to kind of get an idea of why this character is so badass and what makes the character such a likable character. And I chose Webstore. Well, so, do you have, well, if, if you were introduced Joe Schmo from Toledo, Ohio, or parts unknown? You know, well, obviously, for like, filmation, I mean, you have to see Cat and the Spider if you're going to see something with Webstore. To see him doing something is at least accomplishing a lot. Hell, even seeing what I can't remember if uh, Grimbot or James ever told me, but I remember I said, He's flying around in a Wind Raider that looks mm -hmm. like it has spider legs. I'm going to call that the Spider Raider. I don't know if it actually has a name, but you got to see even a different version of the Wind Raider, but you get to see him well portrayed in that. In the comics, there was, well, there was a one time, at least maybe the way he was drawn by Bruce Tim when he was with Cobra Khan. And just the look of him, but I honestly, out of my memory, because I was trying to remember from the mini comics and I didn't grab the comics, I was like, 
what the hell issue was that and what did he did he accomplish anything so i didn't go to the comics i'll be honest i don't remember which one but i just know that bruce tim drew it because i know that damn art and i know he was side by side with cobra Khan. And he I, but the only many comic they were side by side together with was in the rock people of the rescue drawn by larry houston shit now shit. joe you just, uh, you, James, and Deuce and teamed up on me this week for my mistake of misspelling Brawl's name. Hit me, And hit I, me. I told you, I if you screw up, I'm going to let you be embarrassed and expose good. you to the light of justice as the monster fraud. that you are in fraud. front of all the good people listening to this podcast. Just so now, fraud. people, here Joe has just embarrassed himself. So know. it wasn't, damn, I thought for some reason it was uh, Bruce Tim. Who the hell? Which Bruce Tim comic am I thinking of with Webstore looking evil? He looked I thought he looked really dark and detailed and damn, why did I think Here, he I, I think I got a picture of what you're talking about right now. Uh, help me out because I feel stupid. I thought he was right next oh, to Oh no, you're 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 stupid, all right. Thank you. Yeah, please help me. I wanna know that damn uh could you tip it? All right. Who's he isn't he next to somebody? Yeah. Can you see isn't him? It, is it... Yeah, isn't he next to Cobra Khan? Yeah. That's from what? Rock People to the Rescue, drawn by Larry Houston. Oh, shit. What? What did I? Oh, damn. Well, Larry, you did an amazing job. God, I feel bad that I said I gave credit to Bruce Tim. Why the hell did and I And I'm do... going to tag Larry in this. Whether oh, he don't you do it. Not, I have Why no idea. I... But... Now I got to figure out which comic I'm thinking of. Did, did Bruce Tim draw a web store? Now I got to know that. Did he? Not that I know of, no. I don't think so. Oh, my so. God. I'm a complete moron. Oh, my God. I apologize that for everybody. Jesus. I just... Hey, Larry, I'm well, sorry. Well, if you, if you look at the, the comics that Webster appeared in. He appeared in Clash of Arms. He appeared in Eye of the Storm. Brought people to the rescue. God, I think that was it. I think that was all of Webster's appearances in the mini comics Because he didn't appear in any of the, uh, any of the Horde-themed ones. He didn't appear in Hordax uh, mini-comic where you got a lot of the evil warriors there. He didn't appear in... Um, any of the '86 wave except Eye, Eye of the Storm, and then in the last last year of '87, didn't appear in the Cosmic Key, didn't appear in Search for Keldor, Bustle Hordak didn't appear in that, and Revenge of the Snakeman he didn't appear in that either. So I think it was just those three books, and Larry drew them twice, and drew them. I mean, just to to make fun of a motto, just perfect. Let me just say, uh, my bad. So yeah, yeah. I, well, so, hey, so James and Deuce, so when you guys want to look to Joe as like someone that you guys can use in like a a, a three on one match against me, uh, let me know here. that in a in a elimination match, a Survivor Series match, Joe's the first one being eliminated in a match with me. Thanks so, a lot. I knew that. Or hey, throwing over you... the top rope first. I don't care how are you look. Joe's the first one leaving that ring. Uh, I just gave reference to the wrong <laughs> artist. I knew the the picture. I knew what I meant, and you did too. But I said the wrong artist. Oh so. uh, yeah, and it, it, it is. In all seriousness, that's that's one of the most menacing looks I've ever seen a web yes. store. And as for at least the other time I seen him interpreted where he was doing stuff where he was confident was power from the sky. He seemed like he was actually accomplishing stuff when he was capturing uh, uh, Prince Adam, even though they didn't show how he made the webbing and it looked more like a net. Yeah. But they made it sound like he was making the webbing. And then later on in the comic, he did the same thing when he captured uh, somebody else in that comic. I, or, I'm sorry, in that book. I just can't remember who it was, but in that issue, at least everything he was doing was pretty competent along the way of helping Skeletor. Skeletor wanted to get the power from when all the moons were, their suns were covering the moon, and whoever was standing on the uh, the palace at that time in that spot would get the power, you know, of the kingdom. So 
he was helping Skeletor almost to that exact point until, of course, He-Man then knocks Skeletor out. They have their fight, and then King Grandor gets the power, you know, like, shot to him as being ruler. But he did help everything along the way from Power from the Sky, which, I mean, I know it's not one that many people reference or maybe have read. But well, that's the whole still- point. That, that's the point is you know the character, so what would you recommend? And that's the whole point of the essentials. Is yeah. just what what do you point to fans who are not as familiar with them or may just have the figure and haven't seen them depicted in any of the media? What what would they go to? Yeah. Um, so there, those are at least three that I would choose. I know Tyler probably has three completely different choices, but those are three that at least boom popped into my head, I guess. Oh, first thing that comes to mind is Disappearing Dragons, man. Okay. Disappearing Dragons, and that's going to be a, a go to for me. God, I, I can't wait to do a commentary on that. And I, I'm going to have to ask James about that, why he did not give that episode a perfect 10 out of 10 score. What did um, he give it? 7 out of 10, which is still a high score, but to me, it's absolute perfection. He didn't give a perfect score to many episodes. I think he gave two, I think. Okay. But to me, Dis- Disappearing Dragons deserves a higher score, so I'll give him a piece of my mind on that one. Okay. And then, uh, so that one, um, I had a couple in mind. Um, probably we'll say... Uh, He's not featured so much in Clash of Arms, and I can't really, I almost feel like it's probably not the best to use that one. So I'm probably going to go with Rock People to the Rescue. Okay. And then, um, probably, you know, and I, I've never been as big a fan of it because of the biggest reason why people liked the episode, just because I felt like she was such an overrated character. But Joe, but Joe is correct, and I'll say it because I agree with Joe's points is Cat and Spider. Okay. Because you, you do see Webster use his grappling pack to get in and out. He is the master of escape. So in this episode, that's what you see him do. You don't see him really do a whole lot of that throughout the series. You just you see him there with Cobra Khan or well, yeah, because he's with, he's with Cobra Khan on, you know, in Secret of the Sword and Disappearing Dragons and Journey to Stone City. So but this is the one episode where you see him hanging around like a spider when Skeletor was asking him to, to go take on this new mission and uh, sneaking in and out of the palace and, and, you know, uh, jumping Katrina from behind, stealing, the, <laughs> stealing the Grimalkin and getting out. That's a, that is a very good depiction of what we expect Webster to be doing. And, but I will say in NYP, so that's why I was kind of hesitant because Council of Evil Part 2 depicts Webster a little bit more prominently. I don't like Web of Evil because he dies due to a stomach ache. You know, what what a piss poor way to kill off such a beloved character. You know, eating ba- ambrosia. Oh, give me a stomach ache. Oh, you know, just craps out. Nah. I, yeah, I'll probably go with that. I was going to say Council of Evil Part 2 because he looks so cool in it. I like the voice that was used for Webster. But, I'm, God. You know what? I'm going to say Council. Council of Evil Part 2. That's what I'll say. I'll say Disappearing Dragons, Council of Evil Part 2, and Rock People to the Rescue. And then Webster has given some pretty good appearances in, in other canons, like in uh, uh, you know, uh, Rock Warriors, The Golden Book, Joe said Power from the Sky. Um, I don't think... Oh, he's featured in A River of Ruin, but he's not really given a whole lot to do. You see him using his grappling hook in that, like throwing it. Uh, it looks cool. But uh, th- those would be my three for Web Store. Like if I if I wanted to to let someone know who what this character was about, I would go to that. Okay. Um, and maybe show them the card art from the vintage figure because that's a badass looking card art, man. 
No, no, it uh, it is. And, and I think even on the card art, like, he doesn't have that little, isn't, like, the symbol missing off his chest? I always thought there was something off when he's swinging from his card art and he has the armor, but I always thought that that, that little symbol wasn't there. Am I right? Yeah, Am I wrong? Hang, hang on. I've got him over here. Hang on one second. I'll grab him. Okay. Yeah, just, uh, I knew that you, there was things you used to drive me nuts as amazing as that card art was, which I love the pose and how he's swinging. I was like, I just didn't think that it had that little red symbol or whatever the hell that little thing is right in the middle, the red or orange symbol. Oh, it kind of glared, unfortunately. Is it there or not? He's oh, got wait, the wait. symbol. It's just not colored in. Let me take him out. I got him in a here's, – here's a plug from Zolo World. These protective cases for your vintage figures there. Free great plug cases. for Zolo World. Those are great cases too. Yeah. Yeah. I love this is one of my favorite favorite men on card figures. But yeah, right there as you can see, he's got his armor on, but just the star on his chest is not colored. Colored yeah, it's not it, colored it, red and orange. It's yeah, it always looked awkward. I mean, it just looked different, you know. Because like, when I mean, you look it, well, to me, it make it makes it look more menacing that he's just almost like a, a, a the dark blue and the dark purple. It makes him great for being you know kind of camouflaged at night because he's wearing nothing but dark colors. Yeah, because you know. Like, if you look at the figure itself, you know that, okay, you see how it has that, you know, on the card art, it has that big symbol. But even on the armor of the figure, I think there's a big outline of a symbol, but then there's the red symbol yeah. in that symbol itself. So I always felt like something was missing, but I do love that look and interpretation. So I'm glad at least you had it and I wasn't insane on one thing. Well, no, I just... no, because I, I, when you said that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, there's, because it's not a, like the spitty image of like the web store on the shelf where, where it's got the orange or the yeah. kind of like the, the light orange and the, the red and the orange. reddish. Yeah, yeah, yeah so I meant it's yeah. like a. The combo color. Well, thank you for at least showing me that. And again, I, I feel bad about saying Bruce Tim instead of Larry. And I think the reason that threw me off was I know that Bruce Tim, I think, did at least the inking or coloring or he did something on that. So yeah. I just threw him all the well, credits. I, I, I will say this like, for a long time, I thought uh, Bruce Tim did the Powers of Grayskull mini comic, like for, for years until I'm like, wait, no, Larry did that one. You know, but for the longest time, I because there was a there was a similarity to Bruce's in that. But now I see it's like the elephant in the room. Like, how the hell did I get that confused with yeah, Bruce I, Tim's artwork? I feel Bruce bad. Is, I, I love the art. You know, I, I, yes, I do love it that you know Larry did. I just feel bad that I name dropped the wrong person. So I mean, they kind of together made the art, but yes, it was. Well, it was just just say right that you'll watch the X Men animated series since Larry was the man behind it. And I think I'll all be right. I have to watch it, Larry. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> There you go. All right. I, I, think Larry, I think Larry will just get a good laugh out of that and say, no problem, kid. Like, whoops. So, but all right. Well, let me see. Uh, I think I was just seeing questions was, from the fans or anything like that. Um, I mean, if you guys want, yeah, Jeff Prime saying for Joe. Yeah, man, I feel bad. I, I, I don't like it. It's happened before with, I mean, like I said, Tyler razzes me. I razz him, you know, like on Facebook when he'll do something. So it's just shit we do to each other. I always do that. Just don't but, get up and leave, whatever you do. That's it. Like, oh, you made me look stupid. Okay, I'm getting the hell out of uh, here this now. This podcast is over. Flips over That's everything. it. I'll show you Gino Diacili, and I'll show you Earl Norm. I'll show you those covers. I'm out of here. No, because that ain't nothing amazing, but there's a couple of those four original uh, Golden Book, the soft cover ones, where at times Tyler thought it was Earl Norm that did yeah. all the covers. And I said, no, there's these, there's four particular covers. I was like, I always as a kid could tell they were different they just had a, like you know caverns of fear i was like and you know you could see there's a different look and you find out the artist i told him i said his name is gino diacili 
And then he looked and he's like, you know, Joe, you're right. When you look at him close now, you can see the differences. So you yeah. can drastically now see who's Earl Norm or excuse me, Earl Norm and who's Gino. So no, it's just things, yeah, we all pick up, but that's what's fun. It's always nice to find out who did art for stuff, who did penciling and inking. Just like as crazy and as horrible that a uh, leech mini comic is where God, it just what a what a story. I remember when we did that on the podcast the one time, somebody on Facebook contacted me. It was one of the guys who worked on the comic. It said he knew his buddy. He's, he mentioned the guy's name. I'd have to look through back on the post. But he said, who drew it up? I was like, no way. I was like, nobody's ever knew who the hell drew the leech, you know, power, the master of power suction unleashed or whatever. And nobody knew the one about Mantena. Nobody knew that, but it's the same artist that did it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we found out something through the podcast again, which was kind of cool. But, uh, well, let me see. Um, I'm going to see if there's any questions in the chat room. Uh, People were like, yeah, they're picking on me. But um, uh, let's see. Uh, Zentron said, least favorite moment in He-Man and She-Ra cartoons and why? So, well, do you have a least favorite moment in for He-Man and She-Ra in the cartoon? Uh, I mean, for He-Man, um, I, I guess we're submitting filmation here. Um, probably, God, um, that season two has got a bunch of them. Um I, I just I, I'll I probably would it, it sounds kind of cliche and I, I feel like after I say it I'm probably gonna regret it because I feel like there's another one that that could top it but you know the greatest show in Eternia you know it's it's an unbearable episode the premise you just kind of feel like they just weren't trying anymore it's just, it would just really felt like I mean what did you like about it could you I mean everything or just a particular part or, or, or okay or, or or I just need to give a specific moment like something that yeah, really just, just oh, yeah because okay, he said a right, least right. favorite moment yeah, yeah he said least, least favorite okay moment. I, I I should have loved either sorry bud um least favorite moment um god um I and I, there there were there was quite a few in that one um uh, oh, give me a second here because I want to. I want. I, I want to take advantage of this. People, people ask this course. I want to give them something good. Um, probably. Um, I mean, I, uh, Spike Spike um uh, taunt from uh, the games. You know, I when I watched, it, I was kind of going along with it. And when I first saw it, I was like, mm. but it was just still cool to see Spikor. And then when he's kind of taunting Fisto, you kind of roll your eyes. And then he does like this kind of stomping gesture, like he's he's lost. And just this kind of like, duh, 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 you know, jumping up and down and being pissed off. It just felt like, oh, my God. You know, yeah, especially was... when you might be expecting something more out of that character. Well, look at Spike, or for God's yeah. sake, you know, when you see him jumping up and down like he's throwing a tantrum, that that that's I mean, and, and we all know it's been talked about so many times, but I'll say specifically, Spike or throwing that tantrum of jumping up and down, that that that's a pretty sad moment where I just feel like a, such a, a great looking villain is is stomping his feet you expect him to be on his back and and kicking and screaming and and stuff like that and as as for she-ra um i didn't like snout spouse voice that that's something that that i i just i didn't like it at all and i i just when i look at the character i'm like oh man snout spout so and i can cool. see that especially when you're seeing characters and you're expecting something like you know when you're talking about spike or i mean what a 
what a buzzkill let down what a i mean just what a horrible moment when you like i said see him throwing a tantrum when you especially knowing you could see how he looks in like comics like you know spike or strikes or oh some god of other ones. I mean, that that that's I don't think I could ever do a spike where strikes essential because there's ain't, there's not too many sources where you can go for go to like good like kick ass solid spike where strikes. Epitome, that yeah, epitome of evil looking and how he should be, and then going into the cartoon, it's like that's what we got in the cartoon. But no, uh, I, I agree with you with those. Mine, it's actually going to be a two for one for Shira and He Man because they were in this episode together. It was Assault on the Hive. For oh me, yeah, yeah, yep. and that's and, and it's that's, good for cameos, but that's about it. That well, yeah, and yeah, like it's the last time you seen Skeletor in the cartoon period. Any cartoons that was the last appearance of Skeletor. But no, as for me, you know, I'm a lover of the meteors. To finally have the meteors in the cartoon I was like, well, wait a second, this could be damn interesting. You're seeing a red one being chased by a couple dinosaurs, and the red one ends up being Comet Cat. And of course, their size, it's not the size in compared to how's it with in the toys in issue two of the Star Marble to where they look battle cat size, or excuse me, cringer size. They're big boys. He man's on like he's on a big old battle cat. And to see that when Comet Cat, as you just said with uh, Snout's Belt, when he spoke, I was like, that's his voice. I was like, I got it was this just nerdiest voice. Like, voice. Yeah, I was like, wow, the gigantic, monstrous looking Comet Cat. Had this nerdy, whiny, damned it pissed me off. And also to see that when they transformed, all it was was the head coming up. N no legs, no, you know, front legs, back legs, no tail. Looking, damn, look at this. Just he stands up almost straight on his egg, if you will, and then the head comes out. What a damn letdown. So for me, that was the biggest letdown was in the episode because He Man was in it, She was in it, and here came the meteorbs with the worst thing you could ever imagine seeing. I mean, if that if there's something that would not help give a good image to the meteorbs, that sure didn't help. You know, it's like they deserve something a lot better. So not only do people not get a kick out of the toys, if they remember that episode, they're like, oh, yeah, they were just kind of goofy looking. And that red one, what a dork. When he's the most expensive meteorb to find is Comet Cat. It's like, what a kick in the balls. Yeah, I mean, all that. I mean, because I when I saw that ad, in Star Marvel comics of, of that beautiful painting of like, you know, 32 new bold inventions. You've got two bad and whiplash and uh Roboto and, and uh web store and cyclone and Mossman and strider all depict on this beautiful painting. And that told me that who, that they were in the cartoon. So when you wait years and years and years to see what too bad finally sounds like. Mm. And I, I, that was the thing I was probably the most excited for when I got that bootleg say on VHS was to see what too bad, like I was looking to where I could find too bad. And then I see Spike or not too long after that. I'm like, oh, God. It, it was, it just broke my heart. I'm like, oh, my God. They sound like such dorks. You know, yeah. both heads, both heads sound like dorks. It was, you know, it was God. a hot mess. That was a hot mess and unfortunate. But, and it looked like the toy, but they made it just look, you know, you know, they got that smile on the big, big doughy eyes and, yeah, they sillied know. up the oh. face and they sure just uh, joked up the voices. It, it, it did not help either of them especially from being he's too bad like come on now let's have this badass character let's have some wickedness something at least have a frightening going up but they i just always hate those duh voices it's just oh ugh. god but as but if no. like someone like skeleton would hire morons you know right. you would you would not think so exactly but then it's like then that gives him his he's surrounded by morons crap so unfortunate Whatever. um all right, well, we got one more question, and then we can kind of wrap it up. Brad Collins said, what news person 
Okay, so yeah, what news personally would you like to be revealed at PowerCon? Uh, I, I'm going to pass it to Tyler because I always keep saying about the same thing, that will never happen, which is almost referencing what's I, what I just said, which it hasn't happened in the entire run of the line, so I'm not going to say it. I'll pass to you, Tyler, to say what you want to say first, and maybe I'll think of something else besides the typical. God, after the abomination Thundercats roar, and I don't know what to say about Shira, but you know, I I I would almost say I would love to know that a new He-Man cartoon was coming. I'm not interested in the movie because by this point, I just don't want it to happen because they're not going to do it right. A cartoon feels like you'd have a better chance of getting a quality entertainment, but the way they keep treating our beloved 80s properties is nothing more than we're just going to cash in the name and say, oh, we're not making it for you, but we're using something that only adults are familiar with. You know, that, that all that nonsense. But um, I would say cartoon, but... Um, I mean, I'm always looking forward to new classic figures, and I'd like to see, you know, um, you know, just how deep we can go. I'd love to think that maybe the the, the license uh, licensing for the live action movie uh, has been allowed for Super Seven to make. Uh, yeah, we've the been live action for a while too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at least I mean, I know we're getting Karg. I'm happy with that, but to give us, you know, um, and God, I almost feel like saying, you know, Azrock and Spider, but there's no way in hell that that's happening. But yeah, that, that's what I would like to see is 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 the live action figures being allowed for us to get, you know, the the robot troops and the centurions and the and the uh, robot warlords and movie versions of He Man and Skeletor, um, get a Beast Man, uh, get a Anthony Delonge style uh, blade with a, a, a very accurate, uh, you know, face. Even though I'm, yeah, I'm we got Skeletor and Skeletor and He Man and versions of them and. The, troopers and everything yeah there'd be some yeah the, the there... yeah all yeah all all of it i i just anything from that movie lubick you know any of it, that that's something that you know i always feel like it's still possible i mean oh, sure, happy, sure but I but yeah it it's but just give me more figures that's that's when i hope we get more of it just get just tell us we're getting two more batches of another batch of filmation figures and another batch of classic figures i'll be happy with that but um but yeah the movie figures will be cool all right Okay, um, no, they, I'd just freak out if they had movie figures. As for yeah. me, besides figures and besides any news on movies and this and that and whatever, there's a vehicle that needs to be released, and that's the Land Shark. And I'm going to say it because, my God, I could imagine how wicked the horsemen could make it. Joe Amaro, how amazing that could be. Because we have enough heroic vehicles. And yes, we got Rotan, which is amazing. But mm -hmm. I seem like there's more heroic things than evil things and you know with battle ram with the sky slash lash jet sled you know you could have evil and good on it but no skeletor needs his damn land shark if they could announce a land shark or another vehicle like sure would i love spider hell yeah would i love mantisaur so hordak can finally have his steed hell yeah i'd love it but i think we need a damn land shark but if well, see, i will argue that more, but i'd almost feel like you know what i would love for us to get some of the accessories like the the, the oh, stilt stalker, stilt the, like the scuba laser. attack, the the tower tools. Yeah, I just would love to have a badass another vehicle. Damn, if I could have that and, land yeah, shark. And, and the land shark would be my my go to because we're getting strider. Thank God. Oh, could you imagine so, how the horsemen could up the wickedness on that damn land shark? Oh, 
especially it, like it, your love of Jaws, you know, and the, the oh, ferocity yeah. <laughs> and something like that. Made some sharp ass teeth sculpted and a real angry looking face as you push it and it's snapping as it's going. You know that would keep that feature. Rotom kept its feature. I'll say I, I I would almost prefer like just being able to pause the land shark jaw to open up and you can pose it however you want, it, wide open or closed. You know, that's what I would well, hey, I would well, I would well, picture that. if it didn't move. Well, no, I mean, but it still would be cool as shit. But picture that. It I mean, would, you know how yeah. it is. You know, as you're pushing the land shark, it starts going, and then you can just leave it in that pose. And if you keep going, snaps down. So you could still get that open and close effect of posing, but just to push it. I would just love kids, you know, like, you know, thus us that have kids or nieces and nephews or anything, let them experience that kind of fun ass stuff we had when we did the land shark. I used to love having him snapping at He Man, and he would eventually catch him. It was just, you know, fun for a toy, but it would look even cooler as for a classic. As long as it ain't like no $120 and we're given like another man at arms variant to go along with the damn thing. You know, th uh, that's what's no kept more. me from getting all the other stuff. Even though Talon Fighter came down a lot, I never got around to getting it. It just, Shh. it's a punch in the stomach when, what? What? I'm going to show something. Zen Brown just mentioned something. I don't know if you guys know this, and I think you do, Tyler. He said he would love to see the actual dungeon grate. Remember that the horseman did sculpt the dungeon grate for Castle Grayskull, but remember it was never released with that set. Remember when we were promised no more stickers? You know, those creatures oh, yeah, that came yeah. out? Okay. Did you guys in the chat room, did you know that that sculpture did make it on to an actual official piece that was released on a toy? I mean, did you know that, Tyler? I might have showed you before, but did you know this? That sounds familiar, but I, I can't okay. say like. Well, if you can talk for thirty seconds, I'm gonna grab it because I have it, and I was like, "What a what a damn tease to have the dungeon grate, but not on a Masters of the Universe thing, but on something that Mattel owns." So hold on one second while I pop this down and I grab this. All right. I'll well, I'll just uh, say that um, as a brief teaser, uh, James E. Talk will be joining us next week, and we'll be doing some. Uh, Filmation discussions and stuff that he's got a hold of that he's going to share share with the masses. So, a teaser for next week, and he will be coming on the podcast to okay, announce I'm to the masses. Ten seconds away from showing you guys something. Hold on. And here I was, ready to let everyone know what the hell is going to happen next week. And Joe just keep talking and interrupting me here. Right. Sorry. Okay. Can you guys uh, hold on? I got to click that damn button. I don't want to get get off here. Okay, you guys can see me? Yes. Okay. Imaginex, which Fisher-Price does. As you know, Imaginex has been doing a lot of hidden Masters of the Universe-related things from like a Rotom, a Spydor. Right, well, hey, while you're doing that, I'll be right back, Joe. Okay. To even like they have a slime pit that's coming out, and it's going to be for a Batman type of Imaginex thing, but the slime pit looks... Pretty close to our vintage slime pit, but different. But they've had so many hidden things. Now, I don't know if this is going to show up, but they put this hidden spot on the bottom of here. And I'm going to try to zoom it in, but I'm going to talk and see if it can come up. But at the bottom of this set, where there's a switch to where you turn, excuse me, where you turn it on and off, you can see the dungeon grate. But I don't know how well... That is showing up. I'm trying to look. Okay. Yeah, I think you guys. Well, let me back it up a little bit. And it's sorry about the shaky hands. But if you guys look closely, you could see all the sculpting of the creatures and, you know, the monsters that are down there. That's what happened to it. So if you're ever wondering, hey, I would love to have the dungeon crate. 
from Castle Grayskull that was sculpted by the Four Horsemen. You guys have it right here. Isn't that crazy? A lot of people didn't know this, but that's on this Imaginex, uh, whatever the hell this tower set was. I couldn't remember. I got it, I think, at, believe it or not, it was Myers or Kroger's. It was like dirt cheap. I think they had it for like eight bucks at the time because they usually will sometimes clearance out stuff. If things don't sell that well, you can almost get them for nothing. So that's how I got this set. But yeah, I was waiting for Tyler to come back so he can get a look because I don't know if you ever seen it, but this is the actual piece that the horseman sculpted and ended up on this. Because some people wondered, they said, well, I don't understand, Joe. How, how can they do that? You know, it's, it's, it's Imaginex, Fisher-Price. But remember, Mattel, I believe, owns Fisher-Price. So that's how that happened. But Tyler, I was just showing them. Oh, wait, let's see. He's getting back on out. No, like I said, it's right there. There's the dungeon grate, if you huh. can see that perfectly. Isn't that crazy? Okay, that's no, I was not aware of that. Yep, the horseman sculpted this. This is what was going to be with Castle Grayskull. It didn't happen. So Imaginext, which is Fisher-Price, which is owned by Mattel, hit it on the bottom of this set by that switch. It's the actual sculpt and everything. So I was telling them I got this, I think it was at Kroger's or Myers for around seven, eight bucks when it was clearanced out. It helped if you wanted to have, I guess, the dungeon grate. If some people want to get clever and try to, you know, see if they could cut this out, if they were that obsessed, you could get it and you got yourself the dungeon grate. So it is kind of a cool little bonus Easter egg. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, it is. It is. It really was. When I heard about it, I was like, wow, I got to look at this. And it was seven, eight bucks. So you guys go ahead, check online, check eBay, check your stores. You might be able to get that sucker for a super cheap price. Awesome. Yeah, so, well, that's uh, that's pretty much it. And I didn't know if you had uh, any closing thing you want to say. Well, before you do your closing, I was going to give you a quote, which is uh, from Zentron. Wait, no, not that one. I'm not going to say that one. Hold on. <coughs> it, what's weird is I feel like I know this. He said, ah, a double in case of trouble. I like it. Why do I feel like I should know that one? I don't know that one. Ah, a double in case of trouble. I like it. Damn it. Zentron, I don't know, and I know I should know that. And he's going to say it, and it'll probably be so damn easy. So you post that while Tyler says his closing things, and then we'll get his quote too. But anything you want to say in closing? Uh, be sure and if you're going to PowerCon, go to the powercon.com, I believe it's what it's called. Um, God, I'm going to screw that up real quick. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I want to make sure I'm giving, giving the right um, site to get those tickets. Hang on a second here, damn it. Okay. Okay, yeah, thepowercon.com. If you're interested in going to PowerCon uh, in August, uh, the tickets are available on thepower con.com and that's where you go get your tickets same site where you uh purchase your uh filmation of uh figures of, of chopper spike or andrea montork um kevin sharp is currently taking um offers to do uh uh commission so if you want some beautiful he-man or thundercat or gi joe or superheroes he's done it all he's worked on it all he's currently working on a he-man piece for me right now uh, it's a combination of He-Man and some Thundercats thrown in there with uh, dashes of uh, or kind of uh, uh, hints at uh, the original class of the Titans. That's all I'll say. But uh, so if you'd like to have your own adventures put together, contact Kevin Sharp through Facebook. Um, and then Axel Jimenez has been working on a project. Um, uh, I forgot what it's, what it's called at the moment there, but it's on it's on Facebook. If you go to Axel's uh, Facebook page, it's this it's this. Uh, Com or it looks like it's going to be like a figure line in a comic book series that's very reminiscent of He-Man characters. Like you can see nods to 
uh, Skeletor and Hero and Zodak, but they're all new characters, almost kind of like Four is a T almost. That's what it kind of makes me think of. Um, but the name escapes me, but there's a Facebook page dedicated to that. Axel's doing the artwork and things like that too. So um, I suggest you guys go check that out. Axel, forgive me if you're listening to this. I, I, I apologize for not getting the name correct, but if they just go to his Facebook page, you should be able to find it pretty easy. Um, other than that, um, I'll give a shout out to James. Uh, James, he talks uh, official He-Man YouTube channel. You get all kinds of fun videos on trivia and behind the scenes stuff. He's got episodes posted on there. His commentaries are on there for certain episodes. And I was telling him, Joe, that uh, the good Reverend Etalk is going to be joining us next week. And not only will he be joining us, but he has confided that he will be coming out publicly and saying that Daymore the Demon is one of the most underrated episodes that's ever been created. Oh, and he's going to be, be tell- in, in a way, shaking my hand and Tyler, you know, I want to shake your hand through the internet because you have proved me wrong. You have shown me the light, and I'm going to go back and re-edit the Old Testament and the New Testament of the uh, unofficial guide to He-Man and the official guide to He-Man and She-Ra, change his rating, and say that it was one of the best damn episodes ever been done. Period. Everyone that's listening, you know, either on iTunes or reruns or catching us live right now, everything Tyler just said that James will do is not going to happen. And when this episode happens next week, I'm going to sit back and be quiet the whole time these two go back and forth. Just keep that in mind. But yes, that'll be fun next week. And also, yes, it was History of the World. I remembered it now because you're right. That's never seen it. Yeah, I love that damn movie. Mel Brooks is so sick, but that's when the king was going to get assassinated, and they realized that he looks like the piss boy, which is, uh, you know, a big, well, he's the guy that walks around with a bucket while people piss, and one guy flicks him a, you know, <laughs> count the money, or he flicks a quarter in his bucket. It's so damn. He's like, he's like, Your Majesty, you look like the piss boy. And he looked at him. He's like, well, You look like a bucket of shit. But that's just so stupid. <laughs> that's also where I got the name Josephus. Was my mom? She used to always call me Josephus. From the guy in the movie that was called Josephus. Oh, okay, so, gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, again, thank you, everybody in the chat room, for joining us. We really appreciate. It. We love having you here. Hope you're here next week too. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Oh, and, and uh, you saying that we'll be recording earlier next week because James is on a different time zone. Yes, five p.m. So, our time, correct? Eastern yeah. five p.m. Yeah. Yeah, five... that, that's that's the current schedule. So we'll be recording five p.m. Eastern time. You know, as opposed to nine five yes. o'clock. So we apologize for that, but to get James on at a time that works for him, it's going to be yeah. late where he's at and early where we're at, so we're trying to accommodate, so it'll be 5 p.m. next week. Exactly. So, yes, thank you for reminding them of that, and now well, now you know to be here earlier, so if you can make it. But uh, all right, well, again, we enjoyed having you guys, so until next time, have a powerful day. Now, Martin, it's all psychological. You yell Barracuda. Everybody says, huh, what? You yell Shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. Well, there you go. It's, it's, it's a movie that we discussed earlier today. That's Jaws. Here, Joe was going to say, uh, yeah, I, I know that. That's probably the 13th part 5. Yes, it was when uh, Jason jumped up out of the water. But, okay, I'll see you guys next time. All right. Oh, Nathan wanted us to hang around just so you know. All right, you'll have to click us off. Oh.